Hello and welcome to episode 244 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. That was almost a palindrome. When, almost what's a palindrome. the next palindrome? What's the next palindrome? Uh, the next palindrome should be 252. 252? So every yeah, so I'm, every I'm yep up until we get to episode 300 and that's every third in the set so it's very predictable but um and and your name is <laughs> i already said my name you did yep I o- did. I open your Weird. ears well or clean them i guess i or something yeah well anyway we're calling this episode um tis the award season because uh as we mentioned in our past few shows this is our big award episode as we'll be discussing both the game awards and our individual picks for game of the year um but much like the game awards uh, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of other things and not awards. We're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about announcements. We're going to talk about uh, world premieres by other people. Um, and all this um, will be from the Game Awards themselves, some stuff that happened after the Game Awards. You know, We'll have impressions of Sephiroth and Smash Bros. We'll have the Indie World Showcase, the current state of Nintendo's eSports scene. Uh, plus, we're going to be looking at Nintendo's November sales numbers and telling you about one final giveaway we're doing to close out 2020. So it's actually a lot in one episode. Like, it shouldn't be this much. <laughs> it feels like a lot of stuff. But uh, we have timestamps over at the blog post at roundtown.com. Stick around to the end for those contest details. I mean, really, all people need to know is this whole episode is bookended by awards. Like, we're going to close out the show with the ones that really matter, our Game of the Year picks. But we can start, I think, with the scrappy underdog at the top here, which is the Game Awards. Um, did everyone watch the Game Awards? We should probably start there. Uh, I watched them. really. I stopped after the Smash announcement. So you watched approximately 90 seconds of the Game Awards, of a three-hour-long show. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Kevin, since you watched it, uh, what did you think of the show this year overall? Like, just uh, it, like the format, the, you know, the ratio of things. How did you feel about coming out of it? I definitely wish they focused more on the awards, and I think this mm-hmm. is a, a change that we've been seeing over the over the last couple of years where I feel like nobody really goes to the Game Awards for the awards at this point. They just go for the announcements. It's almost like it's yeah. own little E3. Um, yeah. I, I kind of didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I didn't like how like, oh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Sydney Goodman would just r- rattle off three awards and just, that's it. Uh, in the middle of the show, Jeff Keighley rattled off like five. Yeah, they had exactly. a tweet that had all the winners in one tweet, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think the only no, there the, actually there there was a couple of games that did get their own little segments: uh, best performance, best uh, accessibility, and then best uh, obviously game of the year, and a couple of other ones. But some of the more genre awards, I wish they did actually spend time. Showing us uh, the recipients and their their acceptance speeches, that that kind of thing. I I do wonder on some level if like the award show portion of the show did suffer a bit more than the already like downward slope it was on because of the pandemic. Like it wasn't anyone's fault, really. You know, um, coordinating a show like this, in fact, might actually be harder because I know for sure that it costs them more. Jeff Keighley said that, but you know, that's four hundred people that have to COVID test every day to run this thing. But also like the fact that it wasn't a centralized location, like. I wonder if like the lack of a single gathering spot for everyone was a big part of why they and did the shove some awards. And all the stars that to show up on this. Yeah, show. that too, that too. But even but that's almost like the weird silver lining situation because it's so much easier to get celebrities to commit if you're Jeff Keighley and want that star power because they're all just sitting around doing nothing right now. Sure. But but like I do wonder if like 
you know, if you can't get everyone in one room, like it's because the thing that stuck out to me wasn't even that they didn't have the awards as prevalent. It's like even when they had awards, there were only like four acceptance speeches over the course of three hours. And yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think that was partly because like they couldn't get everyone on Zoom or they couldn't figure out a way to like have good connections or I don't really know. Like, but the pandemic definitely like reared its face so to speak on the award show like they did a good job like building a set and stuff but i agree that like the award portion was kind of lacking and on some level again probably due to the nature of everything i feel like the spectacle was kind of missing like the Ouch. set piece performances and the like the you know the set piece and the performances and all that like they built a cool set but like i don't know like i think they had half the number of performances as last year and one of them persona fives which i imagine you were pretty jazzed about was like shoved into the pre-show which was odd uh i mean um, it, it i guess it kind of makes sense it wasn't no actually it does make sense but it's about I, but, as flashy as the other ones <laughs> yeah but, but like I'm, I'm totally fine with it it's just i, I yeah, don't know how else you would make that flashy in a time yeah. of pandemic and and i do appreciate that they took advantage of not being in a central place to do the booking equivalent of i guess stunt casting i mean like getting the london philharmonic to play a mario medley in like a legendary place yeah like you're Abbey not gonna Road. fly them out to microsoft theater just with oh, like totally. no yeah. audience so, so yeah so and and just that idea of like that's that mad lib of a sentence i just said the london philharmonic playing mario at abbey road like that's really cool and it was i did enjoy that weirdly short two minutes of medley but um yeah, like it definitely didn't have like the visual like look, it's a big crazy whatever, which I get obviously, and I do appreciate that Keeley um, and his crew like they they tried to make it look cool, like they tried to do spectacle. They had the set in L.A. that had like a screen, a translucent screen in front of another screen, so like when they were transitioning between songs in the Mario medley or the Game of the Year medley, like they'd put footage or logos on like a translucent screen with the orchestra playing behind it, so it kind of had like a visual pizzazz. But yeah, I don't know, it just wasn't the same i guess like even you know eddie vedder doing last of us part two this or the song from last of us part two that's a huge get like pearl jam and then they're just like oh just play it out of your studio don't bother you can have your lights in the background just flashing willy-nilly it's cool don't like set a mood it's okay and it's just kind of like ah that felt a little off but I mean, it was really but, cool but, they booked like, him you can't blame him no i'm not really blaming him. i'm just saying it felt different as a result and i think them trying to work around that with stuff like the stunt bookings and, and the stage like they, they really did try it's not for lack of trying it's just you know reality of 2020 i guess and i'm being super nitpicky i know but it, it does in my mind sort of change the tone of the show a little um yeah but but you're it, it was probably the biggest downside was probably the um lack of speeches and lack of really like a lot of not really many industry people to your point kevin about uh you know the star power they're going for like it was very – like Gal Gadot doesn't really have a direct connection. Christopher Nolan doesn't really have a direct connection. Tom Holland, like sure he's in Uncharted, but he was there for what, 45 seconds? Less? Yeah, 15? he was there. He was pretty much there to be like, hey, I am going to play Nathan Drake. Peace. And then yeah. who, who, do yeah, the, and it, who do you hand it back to? Was Nolan it, North. Was Nolan North? Okay. Nolan North. Yeah. He was like, and here's the other guy that played Drake. Nathan Drake, I mean. <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh, and uh, like some of the some of them were okay. Like Brie Larson, I thought made sense because she's a known gamer and everything. But uh, it would have been kind of nice to have some big name game people be more involved. Like they brought in some to present on stage, but it definitely felt like there's a bit of a disconnect there. And like even um, anyone in particular that you were hoping go for that route. Anyone I was hoping for, um, 
I don't know. Like one thing I missed that they used to do is the game of the year, if I remember correctly, in past years was presented by the someone involved with the previous game of the year, wasn't it? So it would have been kind of nice if they did that no. again, but instead how because was, no, no. How was Vin Diesel involved? Oh, that's with, right. Like, that's right. That's right. He also fights dinosaurs now. Who knew? But um, yeah, you're right. They didn't do that. But was Jason it? There's the one stars. award. Oh, it was. No, it was a uh, content creator of the year, which they did continue the the trend of with Jack. Uh, what's his name? Jack or whatever. Jack so yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I guess they did do that, but I don't know. Like it just, it just felt like I don't know who it would be. Honestly, now that I think about it, but hmm, maybe they got everyone they could because it's mostly voice actors that they had show up on stage and like from a distance with Jeff. Well, I know but. a lot of celebrities got into Twitch this year, so like I don't know. You could have easily had T Pain on there. Uh, Terry or Crews Mike is a big yeah. Mike Shinoda. Terry Crews is also big into gaming, and uh, he's he's sort of a. Uh, gone to twitch I don't, I don't know you could have had i feel like you could have had closer associations well, yeah, yeah exactly and i mean honestly like from from uh you know the creative team's perspective terry cruz versus tom holland like yeah oh, okay yeah, versus Gal Gadot. Yeah. yeah so I, I get why they did it yeah but the, the one thing i did like about the remote show it's really small but i found it and i said this on twitter after but i found it very endearing that when the awards that were presented happened and people won like multiple winners didn't mute all their devices and you could hear their phones in the background like blowing up and buzzing and dinging and all that which you know very small thing but like it kind of shows in a way that having a bunch of people sitting in a room clapping yeah it it shows like the the actual significance and excitement of these awards to those people more so than just an audience of people going like good job so like that was kind of that was kind of it felt more organic like a more organic who knows how that's going to sound in the audio version (laughs) Oof, I don't know. That <laughs> I'm going to have a, a great clap. time trying to edit around that. that sorry. Yeah, yeah that, well, was, that I didn't, was a gentle clap. Yeah, well, I didn't watch the <laughs> award show. Um, I was kind of like keeping up on Twitter. Like for the most, uh, like sort of like who was winning and losing on certain categories. And there were like some clips that I did watch. And one that um, like kind of like to what you said about like the just like nice little touches about the fact that, like, you know, like they're all working from home and well, not working from They're all like accepting the rewards from home. And some of the reactions yeah. almost felt like a little more authentic. Like the one that I felt like I was kind of like, oh, like that's really nice. Um, was the the No Man's Sky winner? Like you could like really see in his, oh, face Sean, in his right? reaction, like just like how surprised he even won that. Like just surprised that he won. And it's almost like he like knew in the bag that it was like, yeah, there's no way I'm getting this. But I don't well, know. It, it, it really that award to me really shows that a game having a rocky launch does not mean it's dead forever yeah i mean like if the anything, idea of like a game comes out it, and that's it if anything like to put the pressure on them that like if they really turn it around i mean it's yeah like there's no reason why it shouldn't be them after all the hard work they did i think what surprised it, it me about hopefully... no man's sky was the fact that that one i think was voted on by twitch viewers and twitch viewers can be some of the meanest people on the internet to oh, be totally. able to give it the uh what, what was the best ongoing game yeah best ongoing yeah, game best to give it some no man's best ongoing sky support that's, it's like that's I huge it was it was oh. not just the best ongoing it was the first time that Fortnite that i can recall didn't win so not only did they win they beat a streak that's like you know when another show beats the daily show for the emmy which for a long time they show and then john oliver did and everyone's like whoa so like it was like doubly impactful in that way because Fortnite had that on lock for like three years, four years. Wow. But um, yeah, it's uh, it maybe uh, 
maybe it gives hope to uh, CD, CD Project Red. Like, hey, maybe you can turn around Cyberpunk. I don't know. Or maybe not. It might be too far gone. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is interesting that, like, a game coming out does not mean a game is done. Which, obviously, we know from all the events and stuff like, you know, DLC. But, like, to see No Man's Sky do such a 180 was pretty impressive. Um, and I also think it's worth knowing that, like, this thing has a huge audience now, the Game Awards. Like, it was – it kind of explains why they did less awards and more um, announcements and why they did fewer presenters who were uh, gamer people and more, like, mainstream guys. Because, like, yeah, for the true gamers like us, Terry Crews or T-Pain would be a little more – especially, Kevin, since you're a Twitch guy, would be a little more close to home. But, like, for the big audience, it makes sense because they – over 45 platforms – had 83 million live streams. 8.3 million were concurrent. That is an 84% jump over last year's 45 million, which is in, which in and of itself is a 73% jump over 2018's 26 million, which in itself was 128% jump over the 11.5 million of 2017. So like this thing is growing exponentially to crazy like numbers. I mean, I as I tweeted the day they announced the numbers, like the game awards are basically no longer in the viewership category of like award shows like the Oscars or the Grammys, the number of the like the viewership number is now approaching Super Bowl territory. Now to be they still fair, have like twenty to be it fair, is not the whole that show. Me, yes. Do you think that they will reach the same numbers next year? Assuming the pandemic I over. don't. Okay. No, I don't. And to and also to be fair, when I say quick. they're approaching yeah, and when I say they're approaching Super Bowl territory, they're still twenty million away from the lowest Super Bowl. But that's closer than the forty million or so ahead of the Oscars they now are. So they are in you know, they're closer to the Super Bowl, but it um yeah, no, it's it, I mean at the very yeah, least I didn't think... it'll still be bigger than the year before this last one. Cause it, I mean it, Possibly. I think, that, I think well, it's, it, thing, I think it's to say that they will maintain at least a good number of those new viewers. Probably, because because that's the thing is like if you tuned in and watched game announcements, like they have basically usurped E three, Gamescom, all of them. This is the destination for big game reveals. It is a three hour block. Technically, Jeff always says two and a half, but it's three hours where um, they basically every company gets a shot to announce whatever they want. And yeah, and I guess unlike the other ones, it's it, basically it still kind of justifies its existence by being an award show. Calling it exactly. It's it's a very it's in a very interesting middle ground, and I I keep thinking this is the year that it can't be topped in numbers. Like last year, I was like, geez, like you know, forty five million people, eighty four percent jump, or sorry, not eighty four. That was a seventy three percent jump last year. Like that's a, there's no way they're topping that again. That's crazy. That's bigger than the Oscars. That's two Emmy or Grammy shows put together, and yet this year it went even higher. So part of it's because they keep adding on new networks. So like in India, they added uh, Disney Plus Star as a broadcaster for the first time which means it was actually available like you go to disney plus or star which are two of the biggest platforms in india and there it was front and center so like they keep finding new and in china it's on like 10 different streaming services so you know they keep finding new ones but at some point there's only so many countries like at some point they gotta max this out right but i think i think you're right angel that they're probably not gonna lose anyone because even though we may want more awards ultimately the things that resonate the most are the announcements and those there were a bunch of um but before we get to the the uh announcements maybe we should talk about the namesake of this thing the awards um kevin you you jot down all our predictions right how'd we do um i guess you just want to go through all the predictions i guess we should yeah or that probably makes the most sense and then we could just be sad when we get so, and also I mean, whoever gets the most right what happens or the most wrong i don't happens. know uh 
bragging rights, I guess. Oh, that's boring. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, well. Alright, so of the ones that we talked about, we talked best multiplayer, family game, fighting game, action game, action mm-hmm. adventure, mobile game, indie, best debut. I made a prediction for best game direction and then the uh, game of the year. Game of the year. So best right. multiplayer, uh, I was the only one that got it right with Among Us. You guys... Uh, said Fall Guys, right? Oh, no. So I said Fall Guys should get it. Angels said that Fall Guys should get it, but, huh, Jason, you said Among Us should get it, but you said that it would ultimately go to Fall Guys. Wow, I was so close. Yep. Uh, yep. Then, uh, then Family Guy, Family Guy, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> then Peter Griffin came out and gave an award. <laughs> yeah, and then the Family Game went to Animal Crossing, which we all said would get it. Yep. Fighting Game, yep. we were all wrong. Uh, we all said Grand Blue Fantasy. When Mortal Kombat 11 got it, Best Action, Hades, we all agreed should get it, and did get it. Best Action mm-hmm. Adventure, both of you said that Miles Morales would take it. Uh, I said that I wanted Miles Morales to take it, but Last of Us 2 took it, so I got that one right. Best Mobile Game, Among Us took it, we all said Among Us would take it. Best Indie Game, Hades, Hades took it. Best Debut, uh, Angel didn't choose something, but Jason got that one right with uh, Phasmophobia. Game direction, I said I wanted Hades to take it, but Last of Us 2 took it. That's what uh, uh, I said would win. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Game of the Year, all of us said that Last of Us uh, would take it. Uh, Angel and Jason, you guys said that you would want to see Animal Crossing taking it. I said I want to see Hades take it, but Last of Us 2 was the night's big winner. Yeah, for the lulls. So, I mean, it was kind of, it, it felt clear it would win it. I mean, any game that yeah, would yeah. make us talk for over an hour about it, definitely... Has something True. going for it. <laughs> I remember that on QC where I was like, you guys were talking, I was saying like, I have nothing to contribute. It's been like 55 minutes. What do I do? <laughs> but it's nice. Um, it's nice not hearing me talk. I know. But I think, I think those, uh, those predictions validate that, you know, we are pretty average in our assessments of the industry. So we can take that average assessment skill and apply it to all the news as announced. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, so. Who got the most, Kevin? Uh, predictions, right? You, me, yeah, yeah. yeah. Followed by by like by like completely, two. For, completely forgot. Um, Last of Us Two came out this year, actually. I was starting to feel this like you're so weird. Yeah, I was starting to feel like I actually no, it's not feel. It's completely true. Like of all the years, this is definitely the year that I've played the least amount of new games. Like I think Last of Us Two is actually the only new game I've actually completed. This just hasn't. We're gonna make our uh, game of the year conversation later weird. <laughs> yeah, like and, and like, yeah. and not even kidding. Like, I literally went through a list of like every single game that released on Switch this year, like download only or physical. And I did get Paper Mario, but I'm waiting for someone to catch up because we're kind of trying to do like a book club thing of sorts. But you kind of need everyone that's to someone's, participate. That's someone's me. And this is the second time you called me on a recording and the first time didn't work, but maybe the second time will. Yeah. And yeah, there wasn't much like there's one that with one game I'll mention later when we get to the actual part that like could have potentially been a contender, but I don't think there's anything that like if I were, if I had like an annual award show for like Nintendo games of the year that I've played, I would probably cancel it this year just because even of the one that did finish, <laughs> I don't think any of them, like 
like met like a a bar that would make me want to award him an award like i don't want to just give an award by default just because oh you're the only one i played like i feel like you still have to like really give me a long-lasting impact and i I honestly even forgot i beat left of us two this year i enjoyed it i but yeah i think you're forgetting the clear choice jump rope challenge i obviously that was even i forgot that even existed it was so impactful, it just went straight through your head. It just plowed right through your head, back out the other side. Yep. I mean, no, but it, uh, yeah. Actually, no, I wouldn't close good. it this year. I would actually give it to Donkey Kong Country 2, um, Switch Edition. <laughs> I'm going to call it that because having a save state completely changes the game. So it's basically like it is the Switch Edition, and it's new and it came out this year, and it did beat it. So congratulations, Donkey Kong Country 2. You get your award early. Well, save, save, save that to them. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you got to save it, man. You got to save it. But on to, but we should talk about the meat and potatoes of the Game Awards, which you no, would no, think that, that, would that's, the, the award, that's not the actual no. one. That, that's a, um, a Game Awards style throwing an award out at some point. That's the best no ongoing actual... game. <laughs> yeah. Best so ongoing game. before the awards start, like, how did they give out before everything even happened? Like, I know. Seven, eight. <laughs> they did yeah. all the esports related ones in the span of about 20 seconds. It's pretty funny. Like in past years, they'd have them go up on stage, like best, you know, like Sonic Fox won one year, and like they would go put them on stage this year. They're just like, hey, you know esports? Well, uh, okay, we're done anyway. <laughs> like it was so fast. It was just, it was just Sydney uh, Goodman just reading them, literally just reading a cue card. But anyway, um, yeah, we'll get to the real awards for us later. But yeah, the meat and potatoes of the game awards are weirdly enough the announcements and not the awards. And there were a lot of announcements. And, um, I know, Angel, you were paying a little less ten- attention, but Kevin, generally speaking, like this year versus other years, how do you feel about like, the magnitude of the news? Like, was it a good year, a bad year? Eh. Uh, I would say bad year, honestly. Really? Well, how'd you rate last year? Just for a uh, reference point for folks. Last year was okay at best. Hmm. Okay. So what what makes you think this year was poor by comparison? Just lack of big ones? or? Uh, I guess so. I mean, personally, nothing got me hyped. The two trailers I think would get everybody hyped I think we're kind of useless. Uh, EA and really Back for Blood Dragon didn't get Age. your jollies going. Oh you, no, you're right. You're right. I totally forgot about Back for Blood. That that game looks awesome for sure. Um, so awesome you forgot it. <laughs> I, um, but like the two big ones, <laughs> like, I got nothing for that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, you're right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're 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 totally right. Um, but I think. Like, the ones that got everybody excited were Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Which and, were so... Mm. Uh, I thought, what worthless trailers. Me um, too. Dragon Age, that's the second time that's been shown. And the first time, they showed, like, a JPEG. This time, they showed <laughs> a CGI trailer. And then by uh, Mass Effect... Mass Effect? It, it was like, Mass Effect will continue, like... Like two weeks ago, you guys announced that that there was a new Mass Effect game. Like, well, you know, if you had doubts in the last two weeks, they're confirming that it will now continue. Oh man, just because a bunch of people just lost, uh, lost, just left Bioware, didn't they? Well, two uh, two people, two people left. Like they're head guys though, so they had to, you know, take over the ending of the Game Awards and run a CG trailer to remind you, don't worry, we still want to make money, so it's still coming. But yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Just, I, I agree that they were kind of worthless. No, worthless. I agree. Completely, completely worthless. Agree. Aside from mm-hmm. that, nothing else got me really excited. Uh, that one game from the Black... What, is it Black Desert? Yeah, the the game from the Black Desert developers. I think Crimson 
Crimson De- Desert, I think that's what it's called. Oh, uh, yeah, called. the Dragon Game, right? Yeah. No, I no, just no, remember no, you texting the dra- me. Not the Dragon what? Game. Not the Dragon uh, Game. Some other game. Am I thinking something else? Are you, th- are you thinking the Calco Effect or whatever it's called? No, that was uh, what, that one's the Callisto Project. That's from or the Callisto guy that Project, made, uh, yeah. Dead Space in the Pudgy universe of all universes. Yeah, um, how random was that? The, yeah, the Pungy, the PUBG expanded universe. Okay. Yeah, I guess if League of Legends can do it with that single player the game, PUBGAU, PUBGAU, Pub, Pub Pub yeah, the PUBGAU. <laughs> but, um, but no, I agree. I, agree I, I forgot. I forget like the big. name. Of it. It's from the guys that make Black Desert Online. So that game mm. seems kind of cool. But aside from that, I, that, I do that's pretty much it. I do think Perfect Dark coming back was kind of cool, just in concept. I mean, it's too early to say it was a CG trailer, but in concept, like that, that was kind of nice to see. But yeah, I think I think for me there there were less big announcements. Um, like even the biggest, like you said, Dragon Age of Mass Effect, were just like, hey, remember these games? Because one day we'll sell it to you again. Just wait. But like the the what we did see, the diversity I thought was a little better than in past years. Like the variety of the types of games. Like it was, you know, um, it wasn't all brown and beige tinted shooters. There's like all sorts of, of different types of games. There was so many, there was so much diversity. There were two games about road trips. Like, what are the odds? Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> actually, honestly, one of those, like, I don't know if it's ever coming to Switch or not, but Open Roads, I'm actually... Take me home? Very interested in, I think. Uh, it's, yes, like the song. No, but it's it's being developed by folks playing Gone Home. It has Carrie Russell and, and Caitlin Denver doing the voice acting. But basically, anything that Annapurna, uh, Annapurna Inter- Interactive puts out these days, or sticks their name on, I should say, I seem to kind of just be like, oh, I should keep an eye on that. Because, like, they got me with uh, Sinar Wild Hearts. They got me with What Remains of Edith Finch, both of which, by the way, are currently on sale in the eShop. If anyone hasn't bought them, I recommend both. Um, they almost had me with 12 minutes until it was announced as an Xbox Game Pass exclusive. But I I really like, like, the story-driven games they publish. And this one, about, like, a mother and daughter going on a road trip to uncover, like, abandoned family properties and the secrets within them. It just it reminds me of Edith Finch a little in concept. It has a lot of potential. I really like the art style. I'm hoping it comes to Switch, but like stuff like that sort of caught my eye more versus you know, um, Vin Diesel finding dinosaurs in Arc Two. Although the voice cast for that cartoon that voice version of cast Arc is, is stacked, boy, <laughs> it's crazy. Like when did Arc get so big? I didn't know it did that. Well. They're releasing their fifth expansion this year, I think, which is like I had no I, idea. I remember hearing about the first expansion way back then. Like I didn't know that they were still continuing that game. Yeah, it's like it's I get, but even just like the range of what we were just talking about. So a you know road trip story about a mother and daughter. Uh, yeah. Vin Diesel punching dinosaurs, Perfect Dark. Um, there's this weird 2D PlayStation game called Fist, which was like Metroid meets Bionic Commando by way of Star Fox. Like it's this rabbit and it's like super actiony looking. Site. Like all these different things were all in the same show, and it doesn't feel like it was like in past years or the early years where it was always just like, oh, you have to have the biggest AAA titles and nothing else. Like it really did feel like just a far diverse new game. Uh, it takes two. Oh yeah, yeah, it there. takes two. That one looks really fun, actually. He's yeah. a crazy dude, but that one looks really fun. Like all of it, just there's so much. Like it really did feel like the industry is diversified and isn't just doing like gritty beige shooters, like I was saying before. So was, that was, was kind of nice to see. Was there a PlayStation game shown where they there they was showed, uh, they there were two the PlayStation Studios logo? Oh, I don't, I don't know about that, but there were two PS5 exclusives shown, I believe. Um, I'm forgetting the name of both. One of them's like a a weird made up word, and the other one is not. <laughs> oh, that's right, Returnal. 
Yeah, there uh, it Returnal, is. Returnal. They did the PT fake out at the start, which yeah. they, they knew what they were doing there. Of course they knew what they were doing there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they know their – that's the funny thing is I feel like the companies that announce the games have a better grasp of what type of people are watching the show sometimes than the production team is just trying to get, like, celebrities and stuff. Like, to the average Joe, like, a PT fake-out is meaningless. But to, like, the hardcore gamers, like, the core of the crowd that's watching this thing, that's that's a nod right there. So it, it, it's kind of funny how that works. I guess that's marketing for you, though. But um, if we do want to start, like – Focusing in on the Nintendo side of things, unless there's any other games you want to call out, just in general. But it sounds like you're kind of eh on it this year. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Back to Blood so looks if awesome. we want, what did? Back what to Blood looks awesome though. Oh yeah, yeah. Now that you remember it. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, it uh, and obviously nothing can compare to like announcing a console last year. Like obviously we're not getting megatons of that scale. But if we do start focusing on the Nintendo side of things. I thought that the Switch actually had a pretty decent presence this year, mainly thanks to third parties. Like, the pre-show had two indies that were uh, Switch-bound. One is Shady Parmi, which is like a shadow-based platformer. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you guys remember the Wii game Lost in Shadow by Hudson, where, like, you're manipulating foreground objects to make paths for the background shadows to then let a character, like, platform. Um, this seems kind of like that, and they shadow-dropped it then and there at the show. Um, no pun intended i just realized but then uh also in the pre-show was a game called sea of solitude which ea originally published under its indie partnership arm of ea originals i think they call it and honestly it looks pretty cool like do either of you know anything about sea of solitude it, this is a director's cut so it's been out already but it seems interesting nope so the name definitely sounds I did familiar a, though yeah, yeah, I did a little digging. Um, it's it got pretty good reviews, but basically, it's from what I know so far, it's a de- it's a game about conquering your demons by making them literal demons, and then you go to this action adventure game that, at least in the gameplay and the trailer, kind of remind me of a mix of like Wind Waker's visuals and kind of Beyond Good and Evil's gameplay set, right down to like the hovercraftish boat and all that. But for this uh, Switch version, what's kind of interesting is EA is not publishing it. The director's cut's being published by Quadratic Dream, the people behind Detroit. And Heavy Rain, which is super out of left field. Wait, and, uh, what's the name of the company? Quadratic Dream, isn't that Quantic it? Dream? Quantic Dream. Or Quantic, yeah. Quantic, quadratic yeah. Dream. Why did I get Quadratic? Where did I, I don't okay. know why my notes say Quadratic. I probably typoed or it okay. auto-corrected. Um, yes, Quantic Dream. Um, <sighs> stupid MacBook. No, but anyway, um, they're publishing it now, and they're adding some stuff like a photo mode and gyro support and... Uh, it looks interesting. I think the most promising thing is it's getting a demo in early March before it comes out. So, like, it caught my eye, and I can actually see if – like, I'm digging the vibe of it, but I can actually see if it, like, clicks or not and actually play it, which for an indie, I feel like a lot of them, like, of this scale don't do a demo, so that's kind of nice. But anyway, then we got to the main show, and coming to Switch is the likes of Evil Dead. Um, yes, that is Switch-bound. Um, and a release date for the long, 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 long overdue Super Meat Boy Forever, which is this coming Wednesday – the 23rd of December. And Angel, I imagine you must... You're a Meat Boy fan. I imagine you must be into that. Not really. you think so. But um, I was really into Meat Boy when it had the original structure that it did. This one is... I mean, it's pretty similar to DNA, but it's more of a roguelike. It's like a roguelike endless runner. And uh, I mean, it, it, it looks fun. I'm sure it is fun, but it kind of lost the appeal that very tightly designed pre-designed levels did so because of that i kind of lost i kind of lost like some interest in it like if anything i was more 
like all I, all I have going for it at this point for me is just like the fact that it's Super Meat Boy, which is a character that I do enjoy. Like I do like that character, so I may check mm-hmm. it out. But it, it's literally yeah. I after seeing like the after that initial announcement that it was just like a rogue like a less runner, I guess it did get me less excited. And now seeing it that it does have a release date pretty soon, it seems actually. I think it's a twenty fourth or 23rd. literally Wednesday. Literally yeah. this Wednesday, the twenty third. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just like, oh, that's cool. Like, uh, I'm sure I'll pick well, it up eventually. Um, how how roguelikey is it? Because they said in the f- trailer for it that, like, you know, there's thousands no, of meticulously crafted levels. Like, so is no it level. chunks well, that get shuffled? It, it, essentially, or? like, what they did is they have, like, pre-made chunks, and they're mm, mixed so and matched. Chunks. So if anything, like, that does sound cool in theory, but at the same time, it also... Makes it kind of feel like I, I guess if you play it long enough, like the more you play it, the more you're going to start to see like chunks, like I guess like repeat. And I don't know, it, it to me it just sounds something that's not great on paper. I mean, I'm sure like it, maybe none of this is an issue when you actually play it because thousands of chunks does sound like a, I mean, is a lot. But I did play like Binding of Isaac for a long time, and that one is also kind of in the same vein where it does have chunks of tiles that are created. And mm-hmm. after a while, you do start to see a lot of, like, repetition. And it does kind of, like, wane on you a little when you're, like, over 100 hours in and you're just kind of trying to get through the beginning because you've seen it so many times and so many things that there's, like, just no variety. You're just kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, just got to get through this and to get to the good stuff, essentially. And I'm hoping that's not the case for this one. Like, I'm hoping the earlier portions of the game don't become attractive so you can get to the end. But I don't know. It, it's a game that... I feel like the more I hear about it, the less excited I am, but I am not going to count it out until I actually play it. I'm just not going to be in a rush to actually play it. Sure, that, that, unless reviews somehow make it sound glowing, I am, well, you know, or glowing that, oh, it's so, it feels just like the real one, sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, by now, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone already knows that, like, Edmund McMillan has nothing to do with this game. Um, like, Team right. Eat has since um, gone in a different banned. direction with the teammate that he worked on with the original game. And Edmund's just been doing his own thing. If anything, um, The End is Nigh is more of a spiritual successor to Super Meat Boy. It's just a little slower because Meat Boy is a really fast dasher. But that was pretty much like what I really wanted in like a Meat Boy sequel. So I kind of got that feel already of like that tight, difficult platforming, like you could say. Right, right. Well, it, how long has this game been in development? Like six years, five years? Mm. Like I feel like we've... It, it, Talked about wasn't it on the Wii U? back in the wasn't Wii days. On the Wii U or something like that? Wasn't it in the Wii days almost? Or no, it was Wii U. No, not on the Wii days. I don't think so. It was early Wii U, right? Like when they were first talking about the eShop, this was one of the first games that they were going to highlight until they didn't. I think so. That sounds right. It's been a long time. Yeah. But yeah, so that was one of the other Switch games. Um, well, although it's fine because at the Game Awards, all they said was it was coming to the Epic Game Store, and it wasn't until the Indie World Showcase that they confirmed the Wii. I mean, sorry, the Switch version comes out the same day as the Epic Game Store, which was kind of a weird pattern that we'll get into a little later. But like the Game Awards, everything Nintendo related felt very like, hey, here's the start of something. Wait till next week, and we'll give you the rest of the news. Like here's Sephiroth and Smash, but sit tight till next week. Or here's Indie World. Here's a thirty second commercial, but sit tight till next week. It is really odd. But uh, Nintendo didn't even have one big game at the show this year. Like, normally, Nintendo has a single new announce, a new game to reveal themselves. Uh, like even when they did a Smash character with Joker back in 2018, they also announced Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that same year. 
yet this year, kind of in line with uh, how their announcement cycle has been going in general, they did not do that. Instead, they seem to kind of mostly hand over the Switch reins to Capcom, who made three Switch-specific announcements during the show. One was a new Monster Hunter Rise trailer, which really, in my mind, kind of stretches the definition of a world premiere. Um, but then two actual debuts <laughs> I guess the world premiere for the trailer, re- but yeah. I guess, but like, really? <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But, uh, and then they made two actual real debuts a throwback reboot of Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection and this ever growing compilation of old Capcom games called Capcom Arcade Stadium. And it felt to me like a very interesting, very intentional approach to differentiate from all the next gen stuff at the show. Like, hey, we're not gonna have the glitz and glam of like a cowboy with a magic neon glowing arm like Evil West or, you know, the as we were talking about before, like the Callisto protocol and being part of the PUBG universe. But if you want some nostalgia on your Switch where you already have all this other nostalgia you love, here's Ghosts and Goblins again. Like, wouldn't that be fun on your next commute? Or, like, here's all these other Capcom games that you can now play anywhere. So it was, it was an interesting, like, purposeful feeling sort of separation from everything else going on in my mind. Um, did you guys watch the trailer? Well, Kevin, you were watching the show, but Angel, have you – either of you see the Ghost and Gods trailer? Have any thoughts yeah, on it? Yeah, I, I saw the trailer. Um, what do you think? I don't know. It's definitely Ghost I, and Goblins. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm a fan of Ghost and Goblins. I love the Super Ghost and yeah, Super Ghosts and Goblins, or was it Super Ghosts and Ghouls? I forget when they changed the name. Um, but it got like a successor, like a sequel on the PSP that was pretty much like literally just Ghosts and Goblins, but with 3D visuals. Yeah. And I don't know. So when this one got announced, I feel like it didn't really do a lot for me. Like it was just kind of like Kevin said, like, oh, it's the Ghosts and Goblins. I don't know. I, I guess there maybe just isn't enough nostalgia it, for it to be amazing. It's just kind of like, that's cool. Like, I guess I something feel like to the check art out. Style, maybe? I mean, I feel like to me, the art style is what kind of held back. Like, I think execution wise, I'm more into Arcade Stadium than I am Ghost and Goblins. I, yeah, like, I was actually more interested in that know. as well. Right? That sounded more interesting. Um, yeah, Ghost and Goblins feels very, like, been there, done that. But Well, not even that, but just like know. watching it, like. I mean, I, Kevin, did what? Did you have any thoughts of it besides, hey, it's Ghosts and Goblins? <laughs> uh, did no, anything? It's it's Ghosts and Goblins. It's yeah. I, I've always much, liked right. the games, they've, but they've never been my my cup of tea, honestly. I suck at them, shockingly to to no one's shock. I mean, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like watching it, I, they're going for a storybook aesthetic, as they call it, Capcom. But I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it just I like think the idea I of. I mean, it looks nice. It what? looks like a sharper version of the SNES one. But I felt like it's almost kind of like a little downgrade from the PSP one because that one actually looked pretty cool. Yeah. Because that was like full CG. And, but, and I think the yeah. idea is good because what they're doing is they're rebooting. They're doing like a new Super Mario Brothers U almost. So they're rebooting it, but they're taking gameplay elements from both Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts and Goblins and I'm translating them to modern times. But like, I don't know. That art style, something about it felt a little janky-ish. Well, I can't that's because it. Well, it's because it. It looks like it's primarily using like flash animation. Like it's using yeah like a technique that you'd probably see more like on an indie title. So coming from Capcom, it's like it almost gives off like a kind of like cheapness to it. Like uh, you guys could yeah. I think that's like, what it like is. Like it looks like they didn't the nail on the head. It, it definitely gives me a they didn't put their best foot forward when I see the trailer. 
Which is so funny because then, you know, 10 seconds later, like, one more thing, Arcade Stadium, and, like, the production values on that trailer were super good. Like, I really liked everything about that. Like, it, it's interesting because it's following the format, sort of, of Namco Bandai's Namcot collection, which um, you may remember back in the before times, before the pandemic, we discussed here on the show this kind of clever approach to do retro games in Japan, where basically you download a shell of a compilation, and it comes with one game for free. And then you just buy what you want to add to the collection at a small price per game. And you may recall when Namcot Collection was announced for the States, they switched it to a more traditional collection of preset games at a set price, um, which I was like, that seems weird. Like, it was kind of baffling me at the time. And Capcom is sort of taking, like, a halfway step back towards what I thought was a good idea with Namcot Collection. Like, what they're doing is you download the shell of a compilation, uh... It comes out in February, the same month as uh, the Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection reboot, actually. Maybe not a coincidence. And uh, you get a free copy of 1943, The Battle of Midway, when you download the shell. And if you want to buy other games, they're going to release them in packs of 10 or something like that. So three different DLC packs. It's 32 tiles in all. What's interesting is, um, perhaps in a detrimental way, actually, is that they're not packaging games by type or anything. They're packaging them by year ranges. So like pack one is the dawn of the arcade and covers games from 1984 to 88. So that's like, so, you know, Bionic Commando, Ghouls and mm-hmm. Ghosts, uh, Legendary Wings, all that. Then pack two, which is Arcade Revolution, is from 89 to 92. And that features games like Strider and Final Fight and, of course, Street Fighter 2, uh, specifically the World, uh, World Warrior. Then they do DLC pack three, which is Arcade evolution and that's when they start doing the multiple street fighters so you have like hyper fighter you have super turbo uh you have stuff like pro gear and in 1944 which is the sequel to 41 obviously um so there's yeah i know math right uh or counting even not even math but yeah it's interesting how they're like so they're kind of like letting it be a la carte but it's a la carte in chunks like it's it's the only game you can buy by itself is the original ghosts and goblins which is, I guess, some sort of weird marketing thing for the new one. I'm not quite sure. But everything else you buy in these like packs of 10, and I don't think they've announced the price or anything. Um, so, But it is kind of this weird mishmash of approaches where it's like, okay, we're not going to put everything on cartridges and make you buy all of them, but you are going to need to buy like, a time range of games at a time. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, it, it's different. I'll give them that. It's basically like mini compilations. But I guess it boils down to price, huh? Yeah. That is true. I think, I think um, what's kind of cool about it though is like I feel like maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's more of a gaming history lesson to be had here because like Capcom's arcade tiles minus the Street Fighters, basically, I don't know, they're not as ubiquitous as Namco. I mean, were, three then like. we only really ever hear of the other ones. I mean, maybe exactly. Ones, yeah. So, so if they're gonna do these kind of like mini bundles, like it is kind of a good way to get more new games to people without necessarily charging them for like a whole compilation of these old games they never heard of. So like marketing wise, it may work better than like a full $40 Namco collection or not Namco, sorry, Capcom collection or something like that. But it's, 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 it's interesting. I'm curious how it's going to work for them. And if they start doing other games, all the cart on top of the three packs, or maybe they break them out or do, because you could, it's, it, you could really do whatever you want. They could do a street fire uh, combo pack at some point. I mean, they did already be, like, no, no, but they could do it inside this, and they could sell like even smaller chunks or whatever. Like, there's oh, a lot of different ways they could, or a 1944 pack, or like a 1940s flying pack, or like, 
there's different ways they could kind of configure these. I'm curious if it's gonna like it's kind of like you know when you go to the app store and you can buy an individual app where they have like apps by the pub, the developer and like, like bundles like you get three of these apps or six of these apps. Like I'm I'm wondering if this opens the door to Capcom trying those things and if they find it successful, we could see other like instead of Sega releasing Sega Ages one by one, you know M2 developing all those, if they start doing mini bundles of those or things like that. Like it's could potentially be a good way to save money down the line. Maybe it's really hard to get a read on it at this point, but it's interesting at least in my mind. Mm. Um, I'll at least check out the, I'll get, I'll download the shell and play 41, 1941 probably. I mean, don't you, you like those, don't you angel? The 1940 stuff. I have both. Yeah. So there's no reason for me to even get these. Fair. (laughs) Any of those games on this, you have them on the switch. How do you have them on the switch? Did they sell them on the switch individually? No, I'm thinking of the other collection. Well, not the other collection. I don't even think these were Capcom. I have two plane games. <laughs> One is um, 1940-something Bombers and then 1940-something Bombers 2. So maybe Those sound like knockoffs one? of the Capcom ones. I don't know. Well, whichever maybe ones not. I have, I don't know. They're, the, they're the ones that I played every year at Anime Expo. So they had mm. some special nostalgia. So well, they definitely... You can get- so I have no reason to pursue any other playing games because I, I mean, yeah, I mean, what made me want to play those in particular was the fact that it was kind of like a tradition to play them in person, like at Animax. But after playing for so many years, like I just started to really like them and I enjoyed them on their own. But I typically am not the biggest fan of um, shoot 'em ups. Like there has to be a right, very right. specific emotion or something attached to it for me to get really into it. But yeah. Gotcha. So, and I, so I should correct myself. Batting. I said nineteen. I said nineteen forty one. It's nineteen forty three. I don't think there is a game called nineteen forty one. But maybe I just made up a game. But Ke- Kevin, any of those games, any of the old Capcom games, ever catch your eye? Were you big on any of them? No, not really. And I don't see myself picking this up. I can imagine like just buying it, playing one of these arcade games for like no more than five minutes, and being all right, next one, and just yeah, burning out yeah. through it. It's like. Not for me. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I feel like they should do full a la carte because then people that just want the one can get the one. But I guess they figure for thirty dollars is an easier way. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so that was Strikers, nineteen forty-five. That's the game that I. Would oh yeah. yeah, that's not. Yep, that that's not this. But I mean, Angel, if you did download this, you can get the original forty-three, nineteen forty-three for free, and then just never download anything that costs money. But sounds like you got your fill already, so maybe not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was like the Capcom side. That was the most announced. Those were the most uh, numerous Switch announcements that were at the show. But of course, I was there was Nintendo. Uh, before yeah. we go, I I was being kind of a jerk and texting Jason whenever a new trailer was shown. I was like, okay, that's <laughs> definitely not coming to Switch. Yeah, yeah. It's did funny because um, you did that, you did that with the Dragon game. Um, didn't do that with evil dead which i guess works out because that is coming to switch um but the one that and, and what was funny is because i kept thinking okay there's gonna be a nintendo game that could be like that one's coming to switch but nintendo didn't announce anything except for the smash bros reveal at the top of the show like that's the only thing nintendo did uh and like i was saying it kind of feels like they're using the game Awards to sort of wet people's appetite for their own week of news in the days after because game awards happened they you know 
did their announcement, and then there's like, see you next week. And then every day this past week, Nintendo's announced something big and small. But the big, you know, the really what was driving all this was the announcement of Final Fantasy VII's Sephiroth being a fighter in Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, which, first of all, like, before we even get to that, announcing crossovers at the Game Awards, I just, I always think it's such a clever move because you have, like, this audience of fans for every platform tuning in and going like, hey, here's this guy you associate with now in our game over here is such an easy marketing move. Like, it's probably why, you know, in the trailer for Sephiroth, they had Banjo-Kazooie there. Because, again, it's just appealing to a broader audience beyond the Nintendo bubble. And I would guess that's why Fortnite chose the Game Awards to announce that Master Chief is now joining Fortnite as a playable character, which I feel like that did not get much attention. I feel like that was, was that over or underwhelming to anyone else? It had leaked earlier in the day, that's why. Oh, okay. Because I feel like it happened and it moved on and like the online discourse like just pretended it didn't happen and it was extremely strange. But if it no, leaked, because by the by sense. the time that they had announced it in the show, it was already out. You could have already purchased it. Oh, that's really weird. Well, even weirder is like, did anyone react when it leaked? I feel like it did not get that much attention. Or did Kratos being there already kind of make it like, oh, okay, it's just another one. Pretty much. Yeah. And and then to one up Master Chief with the Walking Dead crew as a one more thing for Fortnite, I was like, that felt backwards. Like I feel like Master Chief is a much bigger thing than the Walking Dead guys. Well, they who have shown up in like point, a bunch so. of games. I mean, uh, everything that they'd be second. Yeah, okay, that that's fair. Um, but anyway, Sephiroth in Smash that made an impact, and uh, so they, they debuted him in the Game Awards trailer. Week later, they had a new presentation by Smash director Masahiro Sakurai, where he went into full detail about the character, the corresponding Mii Fighter costumes, the new Sephiroth challenge, which is happening right now. Uh, so I guess we should break it all down a bit. First, him joining Smash. We have a Final Fantasy VII fan here. We have a Smash fan here. What do you guys think? What's this? You want to start? Do, do I want to start? We got to get better at this. I guess I'll start. Um <laughs> it's the end of the year we're burned out it's okay not all that one um i think <laughs> not it was guys i think his inclusion I, i'm a little mixed on him uh one he another sword fighter what, whatever whatever right. uh but i think this effectively kills any possibility that sora will be introduced in smash would you have preferred sora uh not necessarily i like i i forgot what episode we did it that like, sorry, I, I don't care if he's in Smash or not at this point. Right. I I will say it was funny seeing Sora trend on Twitter all day because everyone was so confident. Because Nintendo announced, like, that morning that they're going to announce a Smash Fighter in the Game Awards. Kinda and Sora was trending it. and trending and trending and then just fell off a cliff the second that Sephiroth was announced. Yeah, I kind of wish, um, like... You, you wish felt... it was a total surprise? Yeah. Like, I don't know why they felt the need to say that unless, like, you know, just to help with the Game Award number spectatorship. But, like, I I love the fact that when they first announced Joker, like, I didn't even really expect a character announcement. You know, I guess, like, DLC announcement so soon when the game was going to come out a few hours later. But this, like, the announcement of the announcement, like, yeah, like, it was still exciting and everything, but it definitely killed off some hype that could have been there. I don't know. I, I was just like, oh, right. really? I just want to be surprised. And then well, for it to be like the surprises. very first thing too was also kind of like, oh, okay. Like getting the most interesting thing out of the way. All right. For me. But yeah. <laughs> and then you tuned out right after that. But speaking of surprises, I mean, Angel, would you have guessed in a million years this, that he'd be in Smash? Were you genuine? Because yeah. you like, I know you like characters that 
you wouldn't expect. So how did you feel about this? Yeah, as far as like personal surprise, I I thought this was awesome. Like I even though I haven't played Final Fantasy Seven, like I've always had like a like a lot of I guess I don't know if respect's the right word. Um I've always really liked the character Sephra. I'm a big fan of like villainous characters. And he's just always like stood out to me as yeah. like such a like badass villain. I don't know, he's just like he's just so evil and like his sword is just like yeah, he has a sword, but it's just so long, almost to the point of it just being comical. That even though yeah, he's another sword fighter. Um I mean in practice he doesn't really play like any of the sword fighters. He I don't know, also just the fact that Sephiroth like just kind of negated the fact that he was a sword fighter to me. Because everyone was so confident that not only were we not gonna get another like Final Fantasy, like, rep. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was even in the discussion. It was like, we're going to get all these other people. Yeah. So I, the I fact they double-dipped... was never going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the fact they double-dipped on a franchise that we already thought was, like, no way in hell I'm going to get into the character, and it being, like, Sephiroth, and then, like, just having, like, that music, like, One Winged Angel is, like, such an awesome, like, track. Like, I mean, I listen to that song to death so many times and i mean actually a lot of final fantasy 7 music in particular i listen to a lot regularly but yeah like having both of those like just having his appearance like i don't know i thought it was great it was like the kind of announcement and surprise that i really really wanted like no one called it no one saw it coming it was out of left field it may not have been what a lot of people mm-hmm. wanted but it kind of felt like it was different from steve and because steve was like people wanted the character to be in people were kind of calling out the name but it was like oh they're not gonna do it and i was like oh man those madmen they actually did it this one was more like whoa like <laughs> all right i guess anything can happen like if anything sephiroth not being a smash made me feel like oh maybe there's hope that robotnik will be in there which i mean the fact that huh like final fantasy got like another rep before like sega or sonic did did made it feel like damn like i don't know it's kind of sad for sonic but i really hope it, it, you know, it gives me hope because I really also love Eggman, you know, whole villain thing. So, well, keep in mind, to be fair, Final Fantasy is closer back in the day has more history with Nintendo than Sega ever did. No, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's he just has his presence. I don't know. Like, he, I mean, by this point, I've already sunk many, many hours playing against Sephiroth, playing as Sephiroth. And so, how, know, how, what's your assessment? Really fun. How is he? Um, very unique. He definitely has, like, his own... Because, you know, sword fighters are known for really being, like, kind of aggressive and just, like, outrange you with, you know, their sword. But they're always, like, kind of in your face. And Sephiroth is kind of, like, a weird mix of in-between. Like, he can't really get in your face because he's kind of slow. Like, he has fast mobility, but yeah. most of his attacks come out pretty slow. And, he's you like, know, he, and he's easy to punish that way. But, yeah, he's... I don't know. He's, like, if Cloud had... I mean, if Gandalf had, like, way more mobility... Like and an extra wing, I don't know. He's just really cool, and like that, that explosion, true. like uh, it just looks so awesome. Like when you charge it up oh, all the way, you, like when you charge it up, yeah, yeah. yeah the, I also the, like the um, giga burst or whatever it's called. I forgot what they're called, but I also do like that you can sort of send those homing bomb things that hover around the opponent. Like everything that Sephiroth does feels very like it pays off if you wait. Like if you charge up his sword and then swing it wide, like it takes a second to do it, but it pays off. If you throw those little things, it take a, takes a little bit, but if you get all five or whatever around an opponent, it pays off. Like it, it's yeah. very satisfying if you like land everything right. More yeah, so than some his, characters are just his, like, oh, you hit with the tip and that's it. Yeah, because I always project those, especially um, 
that homing. Well, it's not. I guess we'll call, it's more like a time bomb. It's a time explosion. We'll yeah, it's like a, it's like a home. It's yeah, it's like a because um, time bomb. Yeah, because both of those like they take a long time to come out, so they're pretty easy to dodge if you're expecting them. And after so many games against mm-hmm. Frost, like I now have to, you kind of have to expect them. But mm-hmm. the thing about that little explosion, um, if he charges it up all the way, like it has a big delay to start it up and a delay after the fact. But if you land it, you get this little orb that just like circles around you for what seems like five, like four to five seconds, sometimes six in some cases. And after that, like they just like they just attack you. They fire down at you one at a time, depending on how many were attached to you. And they have the potential to kill you depending on your percentage. They make it really easy for Sephiroth to break your shield because usually what you would do, like Mega Man has an, an attack similar to this where a bomb will attach to you and a couple seconds later it will explode. Like most people will run around for a bit and then when they think it's going to blow up, they'll just start to hold their shield, which means that you'll yeah. take the shield damage from the explosion, but then Sephiroth can also throw an attack in there and break your shield. Yep. And then he could just charge up that giga burst and then throw it at you and then hit you with a smash attack and you're dead. So it's he really keeps that pressure. I don't know, he's just a really cool character to fight against and I don't know, mm-hmm. like I said, he just has this really nice presence. Seeing him fighting Bowser, seeing him fighting other villains, like it's just really cool. And oh yeah, God, I will that, s- that victory screen, Jesus, like it's just so cool. I, I that's what I was about to say. I will say like like for me, frankly, Sephiroth did nothing personally. Like I appreciate the significance of it for the fans of Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah, like, like I don't even have. Yeah, know. we have no nostalgia to yeah, it, like, but I, I still think he's like right, awesome. Exactly. So I can only imagine what actual fans were like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it's like like I can appreciate. I mean, beyond just him, the the fact that there's now more than two music tracks in Final Fantasy in Smash Bros. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Time, but I can. <laughs> but like I, so like as someone who isn't really like into him, the the inclusion of him when they announced it, I was like, whatever. Like I, that's cool, I guess. But I really appreciate how Sakurai is being so true to the character. You know, you mentioned the victory screen, the fiery victory screen. Like, that's a cool touch. Like, uh, or yeah, even the, the fact story. that in the reveal trailer, uh, he's one of the only fighters that specifically does not get an invitation to join. He crashes it because he's that type of bad guy. Yeah, like, it's just there was like, no envelope the whole time. Yeah. Yep. No envelope the whole time. And likewise, yeah. you know, you're talking about fighting other bosses. The fact that they are playing him up as such this big, badass boss character and then the classic mode run is against all these other bosses and the whole concept of the sephiroth challenge which is really cool is you're finding a new boss like it i thought it was very well done sakurai very much feels in the zone right now yeah. like the storytelling he, in this the stage is really she's... cool like i don't know yeah. everything is just yeah damn like you you can't help but just appreciate everything and you know like kind exactly. of the same thing with like minecraft At... like after watching that reveal trailer like, you know, it gets you excited about, like, wow, this stage, like, looks so cool. Like, the music, like, everything that they put into it. But, yeah. A lot of yeah, Advent so, Children it, representation and love, even though it's, like, a movie. But it, it's, it's a movie, but it's, like, a milestone for Final Fantasy and for Square Enix and for gaming. Because it is one of the first times that a game company, like, did something like that directly themselves. Yeah. Like, a lot of um, people are pointing out, that, like, like, the design for Sephiroth, some of the attacks he does. And, I mean, let alone the new... Mm-hmm version of the final smash that cloud gets whenever you pick the advent yeah. children costume are all like advent children references it's almost it's like you're playing against advent children sephiroth even the short so. sleeve versus no sleeve thing which i didn't even know it's when sakura is like oh in his presentation like oh as you guys probably know i'm like i definitely did not notice that but okay um but yeah it's uh it, it's really he, smash bros fan service is next level it's like an art form that even if you don't understand how it was created you can appreciate the work that went into it you know what i mean yeah like, and, and, like you can look just, at painting back like, i don't i mean he painted whatever but you can like understand wow he like 
did all those brush strokes and like it's it's crazy i mean the trailer also just did enough some job of just showing like how evil and powerful oh, he looks cool. i mean he, i mean he had like a great like you know fake mario fake out death and you know just the music as well like everything was just edited i can't really believe I know they've alluded to Mario being killed before. Like they showed his hat spinning on Ridley's finger and like stuff like that, and they kind of killed Luigi in the past. But I can't believe they've had they allowed an image of what appears to be Mario being impaled through the chest with a giant sword be broadcast out to eighty million people like that. Like that is Kevin, crazy if you think about it. Which I saw an image that Kevin edited of that. That was pretty funny. Oh, that was great. Yeah, the uh, Kevin, you want to describe it? <laughs> uh, well. Sephiroth is Nintendo, and then Mario is Nintendo's fans. <laughs> it's perfect, especially with how Nintendo's been acting of late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it was. It was a. It, <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> I've known you how wow. long. Ago. No, but it, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, it's. Uh, it, it was. It, it made me laugh. Um, but yeah, I just I really think Sakurai. Like I was starting to say, he really feels like in the zone. Like. Even in the video presentation, which I'm guessing part is because he's back in the office and he has his crew back there, his little live laugh track, and that's a good ego booster. But no, honestly, like in that video presentation he did last week, I mean, he was on full like Sakurai troll mode. I mean, he was going in in that video. He was making fun of his reputation of wanting Smash to be a party game. Uh, he was poking fun at spoiler culture when discussing Final Fantasy VII. He straight up trolled by putting Geno in. To ultimate as a me fighter costume again and not as a character as people want like he was in top form <laughs> like i was i was kind of impressed by how much he was sort of getting away with like, three characters left like i know i just really hope none of them are on the level of min min after the fact not that min is a horrible character but like you have like steve and sephiroth and you know, they're kind of raising the bar in just terms of surprise. Like, I just don't want there to be another, like, oh, hero, Banjo, Joker, and Fire Emblem. I don't think there's going to be any more Fire or, Emblem. Or, or, order, makes, or, order makes a big difference. So hopefully they they really thought about I, that. And I think, honestly, I think they probably learned from the first one. Because, um, you know, I clearly Sakurai monitors the feedback. He knows all the memes about himself. Like, I still can't get over that he made fun of the, you know, party game, not serious uh, fighting game bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like that was, but because uh, Vilas yeah, is like I, an interesting character, but it, yeah, it just wasn't exciting. It got buried in the, yeah, exactly. And I think they have taken note of that. Like honestly, the thing that surprised me that I'm kind of surprised they didn't think through is this. Like the Me Fighter selection to me was actually kind of disappointing. This update, like usually there's one or two out of left field that are really cool and sort of take over. Yeah, there me, wasn't like, one that Armin, Cuphead, Sans. This time, with... nothing. I mean, if anything. It kind of followed a downward trajectory because two ago, I think it was when we got, which one was it? We had one that had, actually, I don't think we've had any in this pack that came with music. Because usually you have like one uh, with like a special model. Music, yeah. Which, yeah, usually you have one that like has like a special like model created just for this, even though it's still a Me Fighter and then it comes with music. Then the last two, I think we just had just the model, like we had Bomberman in the last character reveal mm-hmm. but no music no mm-hmm. barman music or anything and then this one we just don't even get that we just get a costume we had before from smash 4 yeah yeah exactly which again felt like a troll move because everyone's like oh gino 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 and he's like hey we have squaring some board you ready here's the costume again 
But uh, yeah, so that was kind of weird. And also, I thought wait who's the, the state from what? Super Mario RPG, the Gino? puppet, yeah, the... the puppet guy from Mario RPG, Blood uh, Seven Stone, made of wood, blue cape. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah a little yeah. hat no, thing, no yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of like odd, and also like maybe because of how creative and over the top Minecraft Steve's stage was, Northern Cave as a stage. Does that have anything going? Wasn't the it? most creative thing? Exactly. Like, it's a, like I mean, it's a tournament ready, simple stage. Yeah. Yeah, and usually exactly. like, the background's crazy. I, I was, I'm, I was shocked that like the platforms that there aren't like you know platforms that just come in and out, kind of like, um, you know, bayonetta stage or something. But I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty much the the hazard off version of the Kahlo stage, um, which is literally yeah. the exact same format except there are no walls. But that one, when hazards are off, like the platforms change, everything. Sometimes you get like a water version with like a a sluice coming in with water pushing from the side, or you get giant sword in the middle. This one just stays the same the whole time, except for the background. Which this you know, one like felt very like it's pretty much how ready. I'm gonna play it the whole time. But we usually play with hazards off anyway, so that is how it would have looked anyway. But I, every once in a while, I do like to play with hazards on and like see everything that the game has to offer. So it was kind of disappointing, but they also did put it was more just... work into the background than they did for any other stage. Besides, like, probably, like, Final Destination. So resources-wise, I could see, see why they were maybe exhausted. But Well, I, I, I think, honestly, it went the other way around. I think they couldn't necessarily come up with a stage gimmick that made sense, so they put effort into the background to make up for it. Like, they didn't have to do a loose interpretation of the climax of Final Fantasy VII playing out in real time as you fight, but if they don't have anything to do in the foreground, they might as well. Like, I don't, I seriously doubt that Sakurai is like, what if we end, they what if we could have come up with a climax of a it's, game in the background? I'm just Sakurai. Yeah, just look at what I they did for I mean, the cloud one. I mean, it's true. Pretty, actually, true. even the layout on that one is literally just Battlefield. The only reason it, it's even special is because you have the summons that disrupt with the field and the battle as you play but right yeah but at least i had that going i mean when you turn hazards off it's just battlefield but yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of odd but i mean for tournament play it's great i'm sure um yeah just but that didn't matter stage. one way or the other yeah right right but yeah the i mean these nitpicks aside though i did very much enjoy sakurai being back in his element like being in his office doing the presentation being all like jokey putting out some real good fan service like really, really i feel like around i mean on... it was like two months ago that we had steve yeah I mean, it kind of felt like yeah. we just got him but well know. they used to do him every two or three months and then there's a long gap because of covid like we had you know the june update and then nothing until steve when it used to be like every two or three months we'd have one so they're kind of like backlogged almost but um i imagine next one will probably be in like february or march i think that's how they did it last year but uh what i started to say is to go on a really quick spoiler free tangent I really enjoyed this week having Nintendo personalities like being in their element. So we had Sakurai in his presentation, and then we had Shigeru Miyamoto walk around and explain Super Nintendo World in a last-minute surprise announced uh, Super Nintendo World Direct presentation. And it was just so like – I hate to use this term because I know the internet like uses it, and it seems so – like it was wholesome. I don't know how better to describe it. And, and don't worry, Andrew. I'm not going to say anything about the park specifically. I know you don't want spoilers and – I understand that, you know, walking through the park the first time, I robbed myself of some of that experience by watching this, but, like, that big smile on Miyamoto's face, hearing him refer to Mario, himself as Mario's dad, and, like, interacting with the costume characters at one point, like, you could see the pride and joy of his Mario vision 
fully realized in real life, him walking through it. It was just really fun to watch, even though it literally amounted to a walking tour of a segment of the park. But again, without saying anything, it just like, God, that park looks so cool. Like the way they flip traditional concepts into some interactive Mario style ones is super cool. I, I, last episode, you guys might remember, I was like, oh, maybe the park's smaller. Maybe we're getting overhyped. Mm-mm. It looks really, really cool. So for those who haven't seen it, but want to check it out, um, we'll link to it in the blog post. It does show a decent amount of the park. Uh, so much so that I really came very close to stop, not, you know, stopping the video and not watching it further. But then Miyamoto's joy was just like too hard to resist. So I kept going. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, the, if, if you enjoyed Sakurai, uh, being him, his usual self, like, this is the Miyamoto equivalent, and it was, it was so fun to watch. Um, but anyway, back to Sephiroth. Uh, Angel, how long did it take you to beat the challenge? Hmm? How long uh, did it take co- you to beat the Sephiroth challenge? A couple seconds. I was kind of disappointed with it. I mean, even on the very hardest difficulty, it definitely seemed like it was tweaked to still be. Like, very hard, I would call it, like, easy, and then medium, I would call it, like, super easy, and easy, I would call it, like, automatic pass. And based on, I, like, what I... I, I and, to... and, and based on what I've heard around, um, just, like, people that I've talked to in other videos that I've seen of people unlocking it, it seems pretty unanimous that, like, very hard was still pretty easy. Like, at least anyone that has, like, played Smash Bros. before can just beat it. And um, anyone that has never played the game before would just, like, kind of struggle, but still beat it. So, um, it took me three hours. What? <laughs> it took me three hours. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I'm not yeah, a good so um, I, gauge for it. So it doesn't really, yeah. No, but uh, the reason it took me three hours in part um, was I initially was playing with my Joy-Cons because I was playing in handheld mode. And as I've mentioned maybe on the show before, I do now suffer from Joy-Con drift. Sounds like I have a condition, but I do now suffer from Joy-Con drift. So I, uh, I was figuring that might be why. So I switched about an hour in, and um, then I was using the Pro Controller. And at first, I came very close to being him, like, oh, it was the controller. And then I just kept losing, and it kept getting worse and worse. And finally, it was actually two hours and forty five minutes. But yeah, it took me a long time. Um, you beat but it, though. It, it was very, I beat <laughs> it, and it was very gratifying to beat it. But you also really played too, really... so I feel like it. All right, yeah, so that that kind of makes sense. But it, I think the challenge and also, you know, like, is one of the most of the people, and anyone that I would follow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it, it's just hard to gauge for us. <laughs> I we're love definitely your a backpedaling, dude. No, I, you know, I'm not wow. doing Smash. I'm not taking it personally. I'm not taking it personally. I just love the backpedal you're now doing. It's really funny. Uh, no, I, I know I'm not great at Smash, and I was playing with a broken controller half the time. And first of all, two things. One, definitely, I mean, it, yeah, it's broken perspective. I don't think I realized like how. Like much of that, how big of a difference that actually makes. One, yeah, and not only that, but like the Pro Controller is awesome. Now that I finally own one, I can't believe I went this long without it. Like it just feels so good. It has a cool translucent uh, look. Like it kind of reminds me of old tech. It has really nice sticks. It's so nice. It's so I don't nice. Need one. I didn't need one until my controller broke, but it's like uh, once I have it, I can't go back. But I didn't need it. Literally, what we told you. Anyway, that's. <laughs> I yeah, well, right, but you said once you have it, you can't go back. Not that I needed it. Anyway, now I need it to survive and to not spend three hours being Sephiroth. But the uh, the other thing I want to say is I really enjoyed, as frustrating as hour two was of my attempt. I am very happy I that really you at least like, stuck en- with going for it in very hard, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing I should clarify. It was very hard I played. Everyone at home, I'm not that bad that on easy I lost. It was very hard I was doing. And 
to be honest, the way they do the difficulties, the way they scale them is a little cheap. Like all they're doing is upping his starting health versus yours and nerfing your attacks more and more, basically. So it's kind of an artificial difficulty thing. Yeah, like he's playing so, the same way. They're just changing the number ratio, essentially. Yeah, which is kind um, of why, like, for, like, you know, like, us that have played the game for, like, many years at this point, if you can't land a hit on us, it really doesn't make a difference on the difficulty. Like, it just makes it, like, right. it just makes it take a little longer. <laughs> or, you know, oh, yeah. three hours. But yeah. <laughs> what I just say is I really... <laughs> I do really, really like what they're doing with the challenge. So I think, honestly, with it. That's amazing. But I, I guess after well, like I, because, two hour mark, you must have been like, nope, I'm not well, leaving no, here until I actually well, beat here's, it. Here's the thing. So what I really like about it and why I stuck with it is I think it's a really – I mean Sakurai basically said this in the presentation. Like when a new DLC fire comes out, they make a brief splash and that's it and then they're just on your character select screen and that's it. But turning it into like an actual event – even if it's just for a few days, but doing a thing where you're building excitement around it and it's like this monumental thing and as soon as you complete it, you get a little uh, share this online button and you can like, compare it with your friends and see the times and everything. Obviously, it's not a real leaderboard. Obviously, it doesn't tell you how many attempts, but just having that kind of communal like, oh, we're all – we have to earn him or you wait till the 22nd, but by then everyone's had him for five days. You can't do that. You don't want to be left behind FOMO and all. So like the, the like event around it and turning it into more than just – a you know you paid for it and here it is i thought that was really cool and they did it in a way that one plays up a single player aspect of the game and single player is traditionally the weakest part of smash two doesn't have to deal with online so you don't have to worry about lag or anything and um three still even though it's not online even it is, though it is solo has those communal things i was just talking about like to me that was like the perfect combo to make it really rewarding to actually do this because i don't have to worry about going somewhere and risking covid like in a local event i have to worry about online lag i didn't have to like my pride wasn't really on the line if it took me three hours until i had to admit it on a recording like it was just like oh when i do it i can share look i did it like it was a, i don't know why it, it's a cool me, thing like it was very motivational i don't know why but i think when you told me through text or or with my phone that you beat it like i felt like you almost implied that you that it was either you beat it like right away i would just maybe that's just nope. the way that i read it there was just like like oh yeah I already unlocked them it's like oh wow like yeah no 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 trouble for Jason he good <laughs> it was little trouble. did I know but no it was but yeah little did you know but no honestly like I want them to do something like this with all the new characters going forward it can even be the exact I would even same like idea. it if they did with some existing ones like literally do one for Bowser or like any you know boss characters I think there needs just to be like, a reward at the end though there needs to be something because like what works so well about this like, or something i don't know i mean maybe but yeah i mean at this I point there isn't really about... much they can do at this point but yeah that's like, the thing i mean except for new characters i mean the reward for Sephiroth was the fact you get to play with him a week early exactly and i thought that was really clever so and and like that combined with the braggadociousness they were trying to encourage online like they made a hashtag for it there's a share button access right in the game like all that was like it was like the perfect little thing um but yeah so they do that with new dlc fires in different ways i think that'd be cool and also of course you gotta acknowledge like they built a custom ui for this it was all final fantasy themed they had it like you know they it minor minor things to do but it really did feel like it was something special and unique in the same way that like you know super mario brothers 35 like we were talking about it being an event versus a game and that idea like this is kind of like an in-game version of something like that like building a whole thing just to do a thing for lack of a better term. But I, I really liked it, and I really hope that they do more like this with Smash because it, it adds a new element to the game and makes it feel fresh even though we're two years in at this point. And it's not just here's a DLC character, on to the next one. It's like a little 
little celebration at that point. So um, it also – the other nice thing is it rewards folks like us who b- blindly bought the fighter pass. There are so many people who are like, yep, <laughs> I bought the fighter pass. We'll see what happens. And then you get it and you like it if it's Sephiroth or someone and you don't like it if it's Byleth or someone. But this was really like, hey, thanks for supporting it early on. Here's a thing you can do and get early access. And to be fair, when they announced it, you could also go buy the Sephiroth DLC today and play it till the 22nd when it ends or 21st when it ends. But like having it basically instantly there for everyone that already kind of bought in, I thought was kind of a nice little like like a nod to us that are supporting it blindly. To be like, hey, yeah, you know what? There's some perks. Buying it up front, there are some perks. So that was – that was cool, I thought. And I'm more than happy to have spent those three hours because, again, I think hopefully the data goes back to Nintendo and they see the playtime of different people and they're like, yeah, we should do more like this. And I'm, I'm all for it. So so that was Sephiroth, unless you had any other thoughts about him, Angel. It's going to be sad when Poor Kevin this game from is no longer, when this game is no longer supported. Because, I mean, it has to happen at some know, point. Right? Like, this game weird. has to end. And obviously, at this point, like there's no way they can even attempt to do something like this in this next match, like it's gonna have to be changed up enough, and yeah, we'll probably have like a much smaller roster, but we'll have to see. Can try not to think about that for now. I mean, they're still you know well into twenty twenty one before we even have to worry about that. We have mm-hmm. at least six to eight months more content. Yeah, and who knows? They might do some other stuff along the way. Like maybe they won't do more fires. Maybe they'll do like in game events or new modes like Sephiroth Challenge. Kind of, I mean, they started actually, doing. To your point about in, doing it with, I mean, they started doing in-game tournaments, yeah. so that's actually kind of cool, like actual yeah. Nintendo-hosted ones. So, yeah, that's interesting. How is that? that goes. Well, I wish I know, but every time there is one, oh um, right, right, it's literally right when we start recording the podcast. So I've yet to be able to enter one due to scheduling issues. But well, we'll know, have to rectify that. But you know, there's there's other tournaments. Like actually, since our last random Nintendo, um, I got to participate in an actual tournament. And I think did I mention that in Quarantine Chronicles? Maybe I did. No, oh, no. I don't think so. Oh well, yeah. Two week last week, I think I was on the twelve. Um, I think I mentioned that I've been like on a Discord with a bunch of people, like whether they're from work or other places, just people that love to play Smash. And so far, this Discord has been like probably the most fun I've had playing Smash with other people. Like, other like people that aren't, like, my close friends. Because, you know, that's, that's a much different experience. This is, like, a like a communal Smash club. And of these types, mm-hmm. like, of other discords I've been to, like, this is definitely the most chill and most friendly, which just makes you... No, no, it's just really fun. It's it's really nice. And But, it's also, but they're also, like, very competitive. Like, they do care about, like, trying to get better. They look at the frame data. Like, everything that you want in a in a small community that tries to like help each other and build each other up. And I came in right when they started doing the remnants for like their next big tournament. And it ended up being a 16 person tournament. And that yeah, was really tough. They actually streamed it. Um, some of my like friends and family were able to watch some of it. And I even got to fight against the, the previous champion in winner's finals. And I was able to beat them and, they go to grand finals and literally after the first grand finals match against a Sonic that was also like a really, really good Sonic, I I won and then I lost power. So I think for like almost 20 minutes, I had no power, no way to communicate with them. And it was like a whole and block thing. So they didn't disqualify and, you? 
Um, no, because everyone, like, by that point, they already kind of knew me. So it's not like they were just going to throw the towel in right away. It wasn't like a complete stranger kind of thing. And also, um, since I knew my brother-in-laws were watching, I actually mm-hmm. um, told them, like, hey, you guys were already commenting on the stream. Because, you know, it's also really nice and it feels cool when, like, you're playing a game and you see, like, um, like, I always, like, mute the stream whenever I'm playing. And then I'll, like, unmute it right when the game is over. And I hear things like, oh, man, a lot of love for Wayro and his Bowser because, you know, they're, like, cheering me on in the thing. So right, since right. I saw that they were cheering me on or, like, just, like, writing, I told them, hey, put in the chat that my power went out. So they were aware of the situation, and they just started playing some friendly games on stream while I tried to get it sorted out, at least hoping that it was something that would resolve itself soon because, you know, it's a, it was a power outage that affected. It wasn't, like, a simple turn the breaker on and off. It was, like, out of our hands. And luckily, the power did come back, and... We were to resume the games and ended up taking first place. And yeah, it was pretty cool. The the winning from the tournament actually helped buy a lot of Christmas presents. So that was great. Actually, one of my favorite parts about the stream also, I mean, unintentionally, was that during that first game against the Sonic, the stream actually cut out like, you see like Sonic and Bowser like running at each other and then the stream cuts, like technical difficulties. And then as soon as the stream cuts mm-hmm. back, Sonic is like paralyzed because the shield broke and you just see me charging a forward smash and just like, kill sonic so just i don't know <laughs> for anyone that was just following it's like whoa what happened like usually sonic should right. get a shield broken like a speedy guy like that getting caught by a down b but right right yeah i don't know it it's been a while since i've had a feeling like that like I, I love entering tournaments i don't care if i'm stuck in a place for like eight plus hours this wasn't that long by any means it was maybe four hours but mm-hmm. yeah i i really miss that that's definitely something that I've definitely started to, I was starting to forget about in this post-COVID world because I did, I used to try to enter some kind of live event once in a blue moon, at the very least the one at Comic-Con. And yeah, at a skill level like this one was at a much higher level because usually the Comic-Con one is a lot easier. This one was pretty tough, but it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, speaking of, I guess, tournaments, might as well mention a topic that I wanted to talk about last week. I remember Jason asked me, like, hey, didn't you want to talk about esports? And I'm like, I'm going to say Yeah, that. and then and they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Put it, just do it now, yeah. I mean, essentially, like, after playing in this Discord for a while, like, I just wanted to, like, and just playing Splatoon with, like, the the gang. Now, at one point, what did they even call themselves? Um, oh, I remember. Um, Aggressively Average? No, no, no. Before that, our original name was like Splashers oh, yeah. or something. Um, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, just like <laughs> from playing with like them for a while and entering all these like Nintendo sanctioned tournaments that they would host, like I decided to just kind of take a peek into like how organized these events were like on the Nintendo side, just because like Splatoon and Arms like were pretty much designed for the ground up to be like these competitive games, and you know, as Sakurai like jokingly mentioned that yeah like oh yeah let's not talk about frame data let's say let's leave that to the the competitive side we're a party game um yeah like i just wanted to see like how much did they actually put into this and like kind of beginning with splatoon like i don't know they it seems like they did a pretty decent job it seemed like nintendo did like the bare minimum needed in order for it to like support it like it did have um it did have some tournaments here in the U.S. that were pretty big. It were, they were mainly tied to E3 and other big events, but they did have them. Mm-hmm. And 
it's definitely more than they can say for like Smash Brothers. But as far as like the game itself, though, like there was something that was within that I didn't really realize. Like I apparently like most shooters, I thought aim assist was something that was like a something you have to toggle on and was just like not a thing in online competitive games, especially shooters. But apparently that is the case. I guess aim assist exists in every shooting game. I guess since Halo, I guess that's where it started. But Splatoon is apparently like the only like multiplayer shooter that doesn't use any kind of aim assist because it uses the motion control. And right. I guess because of that, I get into just being like way more precise. And pretty much like all these design elements just like complement each other so well. And it, you know, I just come to really appreciate Splatoon. I guess it's a very solid game. Even most like Clam Blitz, I know. Like, Jason and I and, like, the other friends that we play with, like, kind of hated this mode in the beginning. We were just like, oh, like, why do we have to play this? Why is it there? Whenever it's on rotation. And it's starting to become one of my favorite modes. I don't know. I think it's just from playing it so much, we started learning the nuances of it. But, I don't know. Like, you just really start to appreciate the pull and pull, like, the meta around collecting clans, the meta around taking your football, knowing the best route to get there, like, top like passing class to other people not protecting your base is just great but it has a lot going on like it's the other modes are very much like okay you go paint this area or okay you go you know take care of this small territory that moves or this small object that moves but this one like it's like football combined with what you normally do combined with collecting it's a lot at once it's like three different activities at once Hmm. definitely and what I guess, like, the more I looked into, I guess, like, how they're leveraging that into the competitive scene, it definitely became super apparent, which should have been obvious from the beginning, that, like, they really do push it way more in Japan than they do here. If anything, I don't know if it's a Splatoon or of, Clam Blitz? Um, Splatoon 2 in general. Oh, okay. Like, the competitive yeah. scene. Like, I don't know if it's a decision from Nintendo of America to not push it as hard or something else, but, like, to give you an idea, like... Early on to Splatoon 2's life, or maybe I think it was Splatoon 1, um, they had a, a Nintendo tournament that had a million-dollar prize pool. Like, we've never had anything like that, like, remotely close, like, by Nintendo, which is crazy. And, like, to kind of, like, add to that, like, just going into ARMS, like, I don't know if it was just, like, the way it was marketed, but, like, from the very beginning, it kind of seemed like it seemed more of a party game at first than it was a competitive game. If we didn't... Like, I don't think anyone really knew it even had competitive potential until that, was it an E3? It was like an invitational where the director of the game had to literally come out and go like, all right, guys, this is how you play competitive arms. And everyone for a moment was like, whoa, that's really cool. Like, I guess this game is pretty deep. And, yeah, that was, that was E3. And then kind of nothing. But, I mean, the game came out, like, we were kind of sort of like getting used to it, but there were like other things like from the get-go that kind of held the back like the game arms unfortunately had a pretty bad way to unlock everything like by default every arms character had three arms they can mix and match with and essentially making them you know that further differentiates the characters but as you play the game normally and you do a mini game about things you unlock you can essentially unlock every single arm for every single character and mix and match them any way you want, making like, you know, super personal, specific to you, and find the best match and, I mean, the best combination. And, you know, it, it makes it way deeper than it normally would. 
but the process to unlock them all and because they're unlocked randomly it's just not great and because of that um it really like it really held back a lot of tournaments because on one hand mm-hmm. um you have people saying kind of like smash brothers like you know like oh like no items this is play it like as simple as possible to make it competitive the equivalent of that in arms is like all right um just play with the pre-assigned arms which makes some characters that could potentially be really good like helix with his really interesting like mobility options because he can't really jump he like stretches all over um someone like him has really slow and clunky arms by default so right out the gate like he is not really a viable choice and that kind of goes for like other characters as well but if you make it like only unlocked or like unlocked arms are available then you have to hope that everybody unlocks all the arms and sometimes you know that just takes way too long it's really hard to like start up a scene when you're already that behind like usually there's like a tournament mode where it just has like everything unlocked and we mm-hmm. didn't get that until like a month or two after the final character was like available dr coyle and i believe mm-hmm. that was a little over a year so can you imagine like and so if anyone wanted to get into the game like there's already the high bar you know just learning the mechanics of the game but then it's like oh this great combination that i looks cool that i want to try out i actually have to unlock through this random like gotcha kind of system and yeah it it's not really ideal but you know in japan they apparently had this tournament mode from the very beginning they apparently also had like all these like officially sanctioned like Nintendo tournaments that they would keep hosting where the director of the game was actually commentating. Like, so they've pretty much had like all this practice and it was pretty much like set up to be like a great tournament game from the very beginning. And over here, I feel like we only got like one event, like one invitational. And then that was it. Like every time we saw like, Oh, smash invitational, Splatoon invitational. And that's it. Like there was, it's like they, they just dropped the game really fast. And it's... the more, and unfortunately, like, the more God. I learned about it, like the more interesting the game looked. And I'm like, damn, like I kind of wish all these options were more, more streamlined and available from the very beginning. And maybe I could have given it a bigger chance. But yeah, it was just kind of tough. And even like competitively, like what also didn't help is that at least for the U.S. is that because that like Japan was already kind of set to succeed with like having all these resources and tournaments and tournament mode and you know, the director pretty much being there, guiding them throughout the way. Like by the time we hit Evo Japan, and you have, like, players of arms from here going over there, like, yeah, there was... It was no surprise that Japan ended up taking that. Like, we... There was no way we could have done it. But, I don't know. So it definitely seems like Nintendo can do it when they want to, but I don't know. I guess business management is just very different over here than it is over there. I don't know. It just seems well, it's, like it's weird. A lot of opportunities. I don't know. Maybe you know, but no. I was gonna yeah. say it's weird because it feels like a chicken and the egg problem. Because I was originally when you're like, I don't know why we don't do it in America. I was about to say, well, Splatoon doesn't sell in America by comparison. Like I had the MPD numbers in front of me here for November, and it's like a who's who of evergreen titles. I mean, you have oh, so like in the top twenty. His, his no, 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 no. Well, sort of. No, but back. it's back. Uh-oh. It's no. back. I snuck it in. No, but to Angel's <laughs> point, honestly, like. Eight of the 20 games in the top 20 are Nintendo games. There's Tyra Warriors that debuted at number six, whatever. That's not relevant to this. Uh, Animal Crossing at number eight. And that's just a tidal wave of evergreens. Mario Kart at number 11. 
Mario U Deluxe in armor 14, Luigi's Mansion 3 at number 15, Smash Ultimate at 17. In the mix there, you also have 3D All-Stars at 12 and Mario Kart Live at 16. But my point is, why is it that U Deluxe is still selling, Luigi's Mansion 3 is still selling, Smash is still selling, but Nintendo Splatoon isn't? And I'm thinking about it, and I don't know if you guys have looked at Nintendo's YouTube channel lately, but... They have a Switch My Way commercial, you know, where they have different people that are like, this is how I play Switch, for like every Evergreen. They have one for Pokemon Sword and Shield. It's a kid showing off his Pokemon. They have two sisters bonding over Mario Deluxe. They have a tween girl hanging out with her squad in Animal Crossing. They have a father and son bonding over Fortnite. They have kids dancing to Just Dance. They have a mom and kid racing in Mario Kart. In Japan, they have ones for Splatoon, and they have ones, weirdly enough, for Pokemon Let's Go, which they're now promoting as a great, like, kids' first Pokemon game. But in America, no marketing for Splatoon 2, no new ads for Splatoon 2. It wasn't necessarily part of the wave of price drops we saw in November that led to so many of these evergreens doing well. Like Nintendo dropped the price on a lot of them. I got Mario U Deluxe for the uh, Switch for like under $30 during Black Friday week. Why did mm. I do that? Because now I can play co-op more easily. But nonetheless, it's under $30. Splatoon 2 maybe was down to 40 but didn't have an ad campaign to go with it. It didn't, you know, wasn't part of Switch My Way commercials. So initially I was going to tell you, well, it's because it didn't sell. But looking at the data here, Nintendo's not promoting it for some reason. And ARMS is, of course, even more far gone. So yeah, I don't know if the, if the marketing like, isn't why there, they enemy. decided. It's weird. And, and definitely, like, I mean... Did we? I think we were getting like a manga series for Splatoon. I don't know if we ever got it here, but I know there's one in Japan. It, yeah, and I then, think it's. I don't know if it came out, but it was supposed to come out. Yeah. And maybe this is just in general for ARMS, but I know like at some point, like they were supposed to come out with a comic book with Dark Horse Comics that's supposed to go into the lore of the ARMS world in 2018. It's been two years. We haven't heard anything about it. Target it's doesn't exist bizarre. anymore. Bizarre. Like it. And I mean, Splatoon 2 is definitely the golden child. <laughs> Like, it's one that, at the very least, like, they're still putting in an effort here in the U.S., but, I mean, I thought, like, after Min Min and Smash, like, ARMS was going to get a bigger resurgence outside of, here's, like, the demo mm -hmm. again, but then it just kind of got quiet. Like, at the very least, a sequel. I mean, I hope if it's a sequel, they kind of push it everywhere and just try to market it, because I feel like, I mean, marketing is everything, and the way it was presented initially, I think, gave everyone, at least here, like, the wrong impression of the game. And it might have been too late by the time that it was properly shown off at that Invitational. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's it's really weird. Like it, I think even Splatoon. I mean, part of the reason they're pushing Splatoon harder, giving it more of a chance as a golden child, is because Splatoon has sold like ten million copies on Switch, and Arms has sold like three. So right away, if you have to pick <laughs> just, one, just two. three, not even million, just three. Just so oh, yeah, three million. It <laughs> sold three. <laughs> To you, to me, and to one guy we don't know because I don't think Kevin owns it. Um, am I right, Kevin? Do you not own ARMS? Correct. See? But no, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh... – so I understand why if they had to pick one or the other. But like they're doing mm. co-brand promotions for like Just Dance and Fortnite. Like they're promoting old – I feel like they could just give arm, ARMS yeah, a Yeah, that is very telling. Like, I didn't even realize that about the whole like switch my way. Oh, yeah. No, it's everywhere. And, like, the fact that – and obviously, like, Mario is a much bigger franchise. Just Dance had its best uh, debut year in, like, 
eight years or something this year because people want to be more active. Fortnite obviously is its own thing that's huge. So of course they're going to hop on that bandwagon. They even did a console bundle. But like <laughs> it's just weird to see them keep circling around the same few. And then in Japan they're doing more interesting things like I was saying with like Let's Go and Splatoon. But it's odd down the States to keep circling the same few games. And it's definitely – Part of it is, I mean, Nintendo knows what they're doing to make money. Like their their stock is at the highest it's been since the peak of the Wii and DS uh, in 2007. They're they're br- bringing money hand over fist. Like the Switch has been the number one selling console for two straight years as of November. It sold something like 1.35 million in November, which is higher than PlayStation, which is higher than Xbox. All three are supply constraints. It's not really a fair comparison to say that, but nonetheless, it was the top console even when its competitors launched. Like that's still like a bullet point they could put in their press release. But still, they're just not caring about Splatoon. So at some point, they decided it wasn't worth doubling down on, and ARMS certainly wasn't worth it. And maybe doing the new t- uh, demo in June with Min Min was kind of testing the water to see if there's potential there. But clearly, they decided there wasn't because they had six months to roll out ARMS and Splatoon as part of this marketing campaign. So I don't know. I think that I think for better or worse, the ship kind of sailed. And it's weird because this would have been an excellent time to do this. Gaming is having a crazy moment right now because everyone's stuck at home. Like I saw some number from some – I think it was the MPD group that said like 79% of Americans gamed in the last like quarter and like the sales in gaming in November are up 35% year over year. Um, you know, There's 80 million people watching Game Awards like we talked about earlier. Like right now the industry is firing on all cylinders. If Nintendo wanted to reintroduce something and actually put some effort behind it, this feels like the time to do it, and yet they're not. So it's to your point. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I also should note yeah. one other kind of oddity: the the Switch actually sold less this November than last November by about a couple hundred. By like uh, I think it's one point three five million versus one point four three or something. Again, it's due to supply issues. Like it had a crazy October, near record for the industry, best selling month for Switch, best selling October for Switch thus far. So to go from like a hundred thirty five percent drop spike to a five percent year over year drop in November, like that's a supply issue, not a you know, demand issue. But again, if the demand you know, if there if there's that many people interested in the Switch, Nintendo, even if you can't sell switches, get the people that bought them in October to check out Splatoon. Or check out arms. Like, it's super weird. So, I don't know. But uh, hopefully hopefully they, like, listen to this and take some learnings. <laughs> we can only um, hope so. Was there anything else you want to talk about? They, the, yeah, was there anything else? I mean, th- I mean, there's no way a Splatoon 3 isn't coming at some point, even if it's not for the Switch. Oh, it's for sure least. happening. 10 million is nothing to scoff at. And that's something I mean, to be really clear about. Even three even three million for arms is nothing to scoff at. Those are sequel worthy numbers. The question is yeah. whether they if they do it, if they support I mean, it support in the way the you're wanting. They said that once we're yeah. done, they've been far from done. Exactly. So it's just a matter of we if have they one want to go up. that extra step in January. Yeah. Yeah, for Mario. Um it's just a matter of if they want to go that extra step really. So Yeah. We shall Which see. It's always up in the air. But yeah. Yeah, but then again, they're always full of surprises. I mean, like, you know, I was saying earlier how, like, the Game Awards, like, I thought they'd announced something. They didn't, but then all of this past week, they've been announcing things. I mean, Bravely Default just got a new demo, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but considering we, you know, we don't know when it's coming out, I don't think. Like, that that suggests it's coming very soon. Um, there's new Switch Online games for NES and Super, uh, and Super Nintendo, including Donkey Kong Country 3. There's a Super Nintendo Direct, obviously Sephiroth, and then we had the Indie World Showcase, which was kind of 
a random thing that just happened. So, like, Nintendo's still doing stuff. It just seems like their priorities are elsewhere at the moment. Hmm. Which uh, does, I guess, bring us to the Indie World Showcase. Um, yeah, it uh, had 17 games in it. I'm a little confused why they didn't... They had a commercial during the Game Awards thanking their indie community for supporting the Switch. And you would think at the end of the commercial, you'd be like, check back on Tuesday for exciting new announcements. Nope. They just tweeted out a few days later. But anyway, 17 games were shown. 12 got prominent roles. Uh, the others were in a sizzle reel. Uh, did Ethan catch your guys' eye? If so, what? Since apparently we're bad at saying who talks first. Kevin, how about you? What caught your eye? Uh, Splunky Baby. Uh, I love one Splunky and so two? much. One and two, yeah. Uh, Splunky is probably one of my favorite games of all time. I played the crap out of that game on my Vita. Cross compatible? Uh, like cross save or what do you mean? Uh, cross, cross gameplay, cross online. I, already I don't cross. think they're going to have cross gameplay, cross play. Pretty much, cross get someone play? on the PC, play sure. with someone on the Switch. I'm That's not I'm too sure. I believe there's cross play PC to PS4 or PS5, but I'm not for too sure about. Yeah, for the sequel. Yeah. Because the original's sure from like 2012, so there's no way yeah. that has crossplay. <laughs> yeah, Splunky is. So what? What is oh, it about Splunky? Uh, it's a roguelike uh, platformer. Is that word again? Where? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, <laughs> unlike Hades, this one is each run is Good. is, is <laughs> it's permadeath. No, it's it's permadeath. There's no progression, so to speak. Uh, you only progress as a better player the the more that you go in. Uh, but man. The first game is just loaded and loaded with secrets. Um, you are a Splunker going into a cave system, and it, it kind of works the the classic structure of you go through four levels, and that consists of a world, and then you'll go to level 2, 1, 2, 2, 2, 3, that kind of thing. But there's there's like different approaches to... To get to the end game, I guess there, there's there's various uh, worlds. There's various secret worlds that you can go through. Um, there's a lot of secret weapons that you can get. There's a quote unquote black market where you have to get like three specific items to be able to unlock. That uh, man, it, the the first game just is yeah. The the first game is definitely one of my favorite games of all time. Probably like my top five, and it's the reason that your brothers yeah. decided to play the sequel. Uh, the sequel didn't grab me as much. The sequel came out, uh, I believe it was maybe about two months ago. And that mm-hmm. game is also great, but uh, that one I it's couldn't just play too it similar to that. No, no, I think it was literally just because like I couldn't play it while I was in bed. And now oh. that it's going to be released on Switch, I think that, ugh, I, I'm going to lose so much time. <laughs> Just like just like I am with Hades, Hades finally got the cross save patch, so oh yeah, my my switch is going to be my my roguelike destination from now on. <laughs> Splunky was one of the very first roguelikes, wasn't it? Like the original, the original, yeah, the original on like wait, what? What was that, Angel? No, I thought that sounds right. Oh yeah, because it's from like it started as, if I remember correctly, it started as like a freeware game in like two thousand. I don't know. Seven, eight, nine, somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Moss Mouth, I believe uh, the developers, I believe, took that game and then, uh, you know, just did uh, reworked art, reworked music, that kind of stuff. 
and put mm-hmm. it onto consoles and PC. And yeah, I cannot be more excited for Splunky. It's weird. It's taking till next summer to come out. Like I understand the sequel, maybe, but the first one takes till next summer. A game from twenty twelve. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know their dev cycle. I shouldn't judge, but just this seemed very far away. Yeah. Um. But at, at least it's here. That's that's. I'm happy <laughs> right, that, right. that it's going to be here. I'm so and it opened the, the presentation, and it was a pretty strong open because that's a big name in the indie world. Yep. Yeah. Um, were there any other games that caught your eye? Mm, nothing Nothing on the likes of Splunky, for sure. <laughs> that's fair. Because um, as I say, I feel like in the same way that Splunky was the strong open, Among Us was a strong closer. And that was interesting to see come to Switch. Again, it feels like the Game Awards were like wedding an appetite for something that was later announced. Like the Game Awards, they showed off the new map for um, Among Us, which is the airship. And then, you know, wait four days, and then the Among Us team's like, oh, by the way, the entire game's on Switch right now. And think, unintentionally due to a bug, you can actually play the air map now in the Switch version. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's interesting because it's, it's a free-to-play game, but on Switch it's five bucks, uh, which doesn't seem unreasonable. I think that's what the premium version is if you want it on Yeah, that's how much systems. it's on Steam but, as well, yeah. Yeah, but um, it just feels like because I played it a little on my phone, actually against some of you guys or both of you guys, and it um, yeah, it just seems like the Switch version is the way to go if you want. Because like the thing I don't like about it personally is the touch controls for the joystick and stuff. So if you play it in handheld mode on your Switch, you have the touch controls for all the little puzzles you have to solve, or you know the little tasks you have to do, and then you have the joystick, the the Joy-Con stick to actually move, and it just seems like the best of both worlds. So that. That seems like it's going to be kind of cool. I don't know if I actually pick it up because I don't play that much Among Us, but I think for people who are into it, it's like the definitive way to play it. Um, and yeah, of course, for Nintendo, it's a huge get. If you're someone that's like regularly hosting Among Us games, it's definitely worth buying. But if you're someone like Jason that will only play occasionally when the whole group gets together and someone else is usually hosting, mm-hmm. you're better off just sticking with the free version. I would say. Yeah, exactly. Especially because, you know, but, which means you'll automatically be playing with touch control, so... While it does kind of suck to move around, which is why the C-Stick is better, at least completing the tasks will be better. But right. free, you know, it's fine. I am curious. I mean, it came out, it was a shadow drop, so it came out then and there as a surprise. I am curious, it, like, how the tasks work in the TV mode of the Switch. Like, I haven't actually looked into it, but I wonder Oof. if they've, like, mapped the buttons like or anything. I wonder if there's, in-game cursor or Or a cursor. That's probably it, honestly. That sounds horrible. Yeah, cool. I'll have to look into that, but... It, it's a big gap control, for Nintendo. That could kind of help, but yeah. Well, that might not be as bad if it has motion. Yeah, but it's. I, what I was gonna say is it's a big gap for Nintendo because, like, Among Us, you know, besides just taking a bunch of awards at the Game Awards, is like such a big pop culture thing at the moment. And to get it on Switch first, even though Xbox, like, oh, we're gonna have it on Game Pass soon, they like snuck in and said, yeah, but we have it right now. Like that was that's a good get for Nintendo for sure. Um, that's the one that caught my eye. And but Angel, were there any? There are a couple that caught your eye, right? Uh, kind of. I mean, Happy Game caught my eye, but like literally just like in that sense, like it just caught my eye because like, of the really kind of trippy art style. Like it just looks yeah. creepy. And it reminded me a it, little it does kind of, of Little it, Inferno. It, it, it does appeal to my sensibilities in a way. Like I did like Bull Boy because of that same kind of creepy aesthetic, which is. Kind of the same kind of game. It's like a puzzle game, but it's more of like a click, point and click adventure. This one mm-hmm. may be similar. I mean, it does look like you're just solving like 
various puzzles to get from screen to screen of various creepy looking things. But yep. I don't know if I'm getting it, but it did like grab my attention. So it's in my radar. I don't know. It might be one of those games that if I ever see like on sale, I may just grab it like for the right price. It it certainly was one of the more standout games in terms of its aesthetic. I'll give you that. And and I was I was researching it a little. Um, apparently, this is my favorite part of the description. So you're right. It is like you go room to room and solve puzzles. But apparently it will feature, quote, creepy songs and screeches from the Czech freak folk band dva did anyone else not know there was a genre of music called freak folk i'm surprised there's all sorts of genres out there now like wait wait, you both spoke at once what no i'm surprised you didn't know oh you knew angel (laughs) what were you saying kevin there's all sorts of genres out there man it's I'm just what I don't really know how to wrap my head around what freak folk is because folk is very mellow. So is it like heavy folk? Because at that point, is it just rock? No, Give it a listen. No, uh, Report back. I guess I'll check out DVA on. Okay, okay, I'll check it out. I'll hop on Apple Music. Damn, you okay. might become a, a, a freak folk fanatic, and who knows? Yeah, maybe DVA is gonna be my new favorite band and usurp uh, Lincoln Park. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, unlike... But, um, and that, for anyone listening, is a barometer of what my taste is, so take my impressions <laughs> with great salt if you don't like Linkin Park. Yeah. But uh, Un- Unlike Happy Game, though, like another game that caught my eye, kind of the same reason for aesthetic, but mm-hmm. this one made me feel more like, I kind of want to play this game, but I'm, I'm referring to Alba, the wildlife adventure. I mean, it's essentially mm. a let's... Um, clean the planet and help the planet game like you play as titular alba and you're mm-hmm. pretty much going through like a very simplistic art style cg that looks really nice um very cartoony but very simple shapes and you're you know you're going to the beach you're freeing seagulls that are caught in like the plastic can holders you're helping beached dolphins picking up trash doesn't sound that great when i'm describing it but I mean, but watching the trailer, um, parkour through an island and clean trash, uh, I don't know, it sounds pretty cool. Um, with a jetpack, um, yeah, this one you, you don't have a jetpack, you're just a kid using kid powers, you know, the power of running and talking to people. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I don't know why, but like, it, I just kind of liked it enough to go, like, I want to keep an eye on it. I don't know. I think it's just weird. I, I guess I'm just not used to seeing a game that you're directly addressing a problem that's actually happening in the world. Um, maybe there are some that I'm blanking out on. But I mean, and there obviously are games that do this. Um, but this one is probably more in your face on the whole, like, yeah, this is something that we probably do need to do. Even though it's not saying mm-hmm. directly, like, please save the planet. I mean, the game is just about that. But right. I don't know. I... It just seems really nice and polished. I I just like looking at it. And I don't know. Maybe, I you... maybe I'll check it out. Not enough yet for me to go. Like no, nothing in the direct. And me go like, yes, I'm getting that. And I mean, if anything, it probably would have also been Spelunky Sp- Sp- too. But I was already planning on getting that on PC at some point. Just so I could play with Elvis. But yeah. I think uh, you you certainly had an eye for a good developer, though, because I believe Alba's the one made by the Monument Valley team. And the Monument Valley team, or at least it's published by the same people, Monument Valley is a great little puzzle game on iPhone. 
as is yeah, a sequel. So like that, um, that that was a good that was a good uh, a good one to call out because that's a very good developer. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there are any other games that jumped out to me, and I don't know. Like one that kind of caught my eye. Uh, well. It caught my eye because it sort of embodied a few trends that I saw and noticed in the presentation. Um, the first trend is cats. I mean, there were a lot of cats and cat puns in this indie world. Oh, yeah. And, I noticed you know, that. That was so weird. Right? Right? Like, there was Fist of Fluffs, which is what I'm about to talk about, and there's Calico. And Fist of Fluffs is like a physics-based brawler. And then the latter one, uh, Calico, you run your own cat cafe. But what are the odds when there's only, like, 17 games, 12 of which you're actually talking fay. about? Have have yes a cat fay but yeah why were there so many cats and like i as you guys know i love me some bad puns and i do oh, now so say, have you guys know i love cats i'll have three of them well i do now live with multiple cats and i do love bad puns so i can't appreciate this cat overload but uh what i thought was kind of interesting is that multiple people texted me after your presentation about fist of fluffs which does look like it can be a total like blast if you have you know lo- local multiplayer and then I got add online later on and there's actually this neat mode called kibble defense which is a horde mode where you and your cats and your wonky physics as you you know do whatever the cats do fight I guess have to fend off waves of rats so that's kind of an interesting riff on um, that sort of like wacky physics multiplayer beat 'em up game but that in and of itself was the other thing that Fist of Fluffs embodied for me which was our old complaint of like every indie being a 2D artsy side scroller may be dead, but there seems to be a new genre filling that void, which is crazy local multiplayer physics based games. And there's kind of like two paths that they've gone down. There's like competitive yeah. ones and cooperative ones. And ever since yeah, game came out, I feel like they've definitely been more yeah. prominent. And and frankly, Fist of Fluffs is this it is cat gang beasts it is cat humans fall flat it is cat you know like anything with like that sort of wacky physics and having a horde mode with kibble defense actually is kind of a cool riff on it but you know that's one route where a lot of these games are picking up which is like the competitive and then the other it also involves physics but in a slightly different way is basically what the game very 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 valet was in the presentation where you and up to three friends have to park cars quickly you know, it's like a co-op version of this sort of physics thing in the same way that Overcooked is or Moving Out is or Tools Up is or even they very briefly showed in the sizzle reel. It looks like a game called Trash Sailors where you're kind of sailing on a raft together at four people and you have to do tasks. Like it's sort of like task-based but things are a little wacky with physics is like the other side of the coin of what Fist of Fluffs is sort of leveraging. So it's it's interesting to see these trends start to like emerge and you can actually, because we've been following it so closely, you can actually... Re- you know, root it back to Gang Beasts, to Overcooked, and just seeing how it's iterated on is kind of interesting. I don't think it's necessary at the 2D artsy side-scroller, it's overdone phase yet, but it's going that way. And it was kind of interesting to see so many games sort of leverage that. Um, that's not to say there wasn't original stuff too. I mean, I think Happy uh, Happy Game that you called out looked really unique. Um, Grindstone, which was one of the surprise releases that day, um, is apparently a lot of fun as a battle like puzzle battle game and it has some really cool hd rumble apparently um so that was kind of interesting to see but then the the second trend i noticed or i guess third cats genre yeah okay the third trend i noticed is um they said the word exclusive a lot in this presentation there's exclusive exclusive features like in yeah but nonetheless they said the word exclusive a lot you know features like cyber shadow or whatever it's called the 2d yacht club games published um side scroller action game has exclusive amiibo support uh, fe- f- uh, 
Fist of Fluffs and Super Meat Boy Forever and Very Very Valet all have time console launch exclusives. Like, it's interesting because to me, what it's showing is Nintendo not only succeeded in what I wanted to do of attracting indies and finding new games to highlight, it's now getting to a point where they are sign, signing deals with these indies because they actually see potential in these games potentially moving systems or collectively being enough to convince someone to buy a Switch. And that seems like a new layer of indie support they're now reaching. So that was kind of my overall takeaways from the presentation. But yeah, Fist of Fluffs might... I'm kind of into kibble defense now that I think about it. That could be actually be kind of fun. So um, that's all I really had on the indie world showcase, unless you guys had anything else. No. Which brings us then to our final Ram Nintendo podcast segment of 2020, our Game of the Year picks. Uh, So we are each, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, selecting a single release from 2020 on Nintendo Switch that stood out above the rest for us personally. Uh, for our picks of everything else, be it games on other systems, other forms of media, things we experienced this year that aren't from this year, uh, don't miss Quarantine Chronicles Quarantinis next weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll have that love up that on the 20... 20- yeah, yeah. I love that name. That was a great name for Kevin, Quarantinis. And I believe we will have that up on... That sounds like a drink. I think the 27th. It does. It does. And I think we should all drink martinis while doing the Quarantinis. I don't um, but the for drink this, you make so while you're in like, quarantine, I, so you know what the Quarantini Well, it rhymes. It's just because it rhymes. We could do any I, drink I, you I, want. Yeah, and I don't like... Have you actually had a, a martini before? Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but I would do it in the name I had, of the I rhyme. had a martini at the uh, Cheesecake Factory. It was, I think it was like a dry martini. It was easily the worst thing that – the worst alcoholic drink I've ever had in my life. And you know, I've it's had literally, some crap, dude. <laughs> it's literally just pure alcohol with like an olive basically. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, so not martinis, but we'll have – well, quarantinis, like, we'll have one, to have drinks. It It's what like I assume tonics from Red Dead Redemption taste like. <laughs> like um, mixed with gasoline. Isn't wow, that, James that Bond's is a powerful favorite drink. Yeah, yes, it is. Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, Shaken not, not stirred. stirred. Yeah. Okay, I, yep. I think I had a stirred martini. Maybe that was the the issue there. Try shaken, but uh, yeah, I don't really like them either. To be honest, but I just love the rhyme. But anyway, we'll do the quarantines with or without martinis next weekend. But for now, for this episode, we're talking Switch. Who wants to go first? I guess I could go first since I already. Pretty much said you sort of what I needed to say earlier. Yeah. yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, I don't really have a game that I would give this award to this year as far as like Nintendo releases. Um, but I guess I've had to pick one that I've been enjoying and had the probably the best chance of receiving that. I'd probably give it to No Straight Roads. Um, No Straight Roads. I'm I pretty much beat it. I'm hmm, literally on like, the last level. I'm literally on the last level and. It's a rhythm game. Like I love rhythm games that aren't necessarily revolve around licensed tracks. And this one does have original music. Like there is music with lyrics at times, but a lot of times it's just like original compositions of just different genres, mostly around EDM. Because the game revolves around um a band called um Bunk Bed Junction and they they love rock, they're a rock band and they're trying to make it big in in the city. And unfortunately for them, like the city is controlled by essentially EDM is like the the top like genre. So anyone that doesn't do that is pretty much exiled. And the game basically takes the shape of a, I guess, a boss rush mode. Um, you essentially go level to level fighting 
going down it, it's like an anime like you like level one you're fighting um this dj that his theme is all planets and like very catchy beats and you pretty much go through his planet themed level and you fight his planet themed attacks and spectacle wise it's damn it's pretty cool i mean unfortunately it doesn't have like the best performance like performance wise you know frame rate and that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. it does look pretty i mean i'm also playing it on the switch this also could it's on everything else i imagine you know pc xbox playstation so it that could have been resolved but i you said i, know, I, I, I imagine 3do <laughs> Uh, I don't know anything that I imagine, and I kind of wish um, it ran a little better on the Switch, but it's actually not that bad. The only, I mean, probably the only part that's like the most egregious—I think I use that word right—is um, is when you're in the lair, like kind of. I guess your—it's not really your hub world. It's more like just like your your break area. In between each level, you go to the lair, which is the sewers, and you could get information on your next task you could upgrade your characters some skill tree you could add stickers to change your attacks and you know just kind of or just like go to your decorations or feed a pet animal or just learn more about the backstory of these two characters and that area is super fuzzy looking like everything about it just looks like it screams low resolution it's almost like that area alone is like 240 and everything else in the game is like 720. But besides that, like the bosses are incredibly creative and just really fun to listen to. Um, like you go from like EDM, like heavy techno with the first um, planet themed boss. And then the second boss is like a, like a Japanese inspired um Hatsume Miko style like AI boss where it's all cutesy and it kind of has like a song that kind of goes with that aesthetic and then you know then you go through other interesting bosses you fight like a boy band of robots and it's very over the top all the enemies and attacks that you're experiencing like the world around you goes to the beat of the music so everything is timed to the music the only thing that isn't timed to that is you like you could move freely you can attack whenever you want it's not like Dance of the Micro Dance of the me- Necro? No, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. It's not go. like that game where <laughs> it's not like that game where all your attacks have to land on a specific beat, otherwise you whiff. Like you can attack whenever you want, but because everything else goes to the beat of the music, you do it. It is in your best interest to you know find the beat and keep it so that you can actually go through without dying so many times. But I don't know it's fun lighthearted doesn't take it so seriously character designs are very interesting and very unique and yeah i've been really enjoying it it's not blowing me away but it has but it is something that i've enjoyed enough to make me want to shout it out right now but i don't That's know maybe... i like the curveball of a game you never talked about that that was kind of cool yeah, maybe the last level <laughs> never will be like whoa like this is crazy but um right now like i definitely do like it enough that i i'm happy i gave it a shot but it's not really competing mm. with anything else. That's just kind of the thing. Fair, fair. I mean, Paper Mario I, probably it, could have been it, but I stopped myself after the first chapter because yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just keep. Let's just keep. Yep, yep. Sorry, yep. mentioned it this episode. I know. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, Kevin, I, I think I can guess yours. Uh, yeah. Uh, I absolutely <laughs> love this game. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It just really. <laughs> rings no it's it's hades come on 
Hades is probably one of my favorite games of all time, which I guess I've talked about two of my favorite games of all time. And they're both roguelikes, which I guess says something about that genre, even though I don't really like them. I don't know. Uh, regardless, <laughs> Hades, I waxed, I waxed poetic about Hades a mm-hmm. couple of episodes ago. If you want my full impressions, go, go back there. But I will just say Hades is something special, something that I didn't think I was going to fall in love with as hard as I did. Um, yeah, just Wait, play it, please. Don't sleep would on you, it. Don't would sleep you on say it's a hell of a time? It's a hell of a time for sure. Put that on the back of the box, super giant. But yeah, it's yeah. a... I that that was probably the easiest guess. Like if Angel was a total curveball with his, yours was exactly as anticipated. Um, I bet you guys could probably guess mine. Um, but honestly, before I even get to my choice, I Did I do want to anything? kind of point it. Yeah, man. Oh, I wait. played more games this year. I played more games this year, I think, than I have in a long time. Or I put more hours into games yeah. this year than I have in a long time. And I, think I mean, I, I'll, I mean, I think we all did. Yeah, I think just that most of mine went to. Games I've already been playing, like Final Fantasy yeah. 14 or Smash Brothers, or like, or like, an, or you know, Splatoon with, on Wednesdays with you. Oh yeah, Angel, or Splatoon. Or oh, Rocket especially League. Rocket League. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. But I think, and and obviously, it was a for very sure, weird sure. year that led to all this. And like in the midst of it all, there were a lot of unknowns, even in our like little Nintendo bubble, because um, you know the company went super radio silent. We didn't really know what was going on with them for months on end. We certainly yeah, you were freaking about it a out. Lot. I know, man. During like the spring and summer months, who it was, it was touch and go but yeah in the end i think honestly nintendo did deliver a surprisingly solid like b-tier lineup i mean pretty much at their regular cadence and there's a lot of quality releases in there cadence i'm not very far into paper Mar- yoshi touch and go uh Are you, jump- <laughs> you keep dropping these hints of games that have what those- yeah what i'm saying is my game of the year is jump rope challenge it's the time ty- no uh but no i was gonna say uh, like, i actually believed you i literally no you. no no, there were honestly some quality releases this year. Like, I'm not very far into Paper Mario, as Angel has pointed out multiple times. Um, but, like, I think there's a quality game in there I will eventually maybe get to. And, like, Mario 3D All-Stars was good. And I really abnormally enjoy Clubhouse games. And, you know, <laughs> Game Mario I do watch. I do watch. The Game & Watches, dude, it's a great clock. I've been using it as a clock every day <laughs> since uh, since I bought it. It's great. And I've been playing it for time time. But it's great as a clock. The the watch of Game & Watches is solid. Um and on a smaller scale, like, there's games we forgot about because, like, this year was so weird. Like, Good wait, Job was a really wait, fun little wait, puzzle game. Wait, wait, What? Was the original Game & Watch an actual, like, clock as well? Yeah, yeah that's where the game comes and from. a watch. Yeah. Mind blown, dude. I thought <laughs> it was just, like, ga- game and watch what you're playing. No, it's no, game and watch. No, there's literally a time clock. button yeah. and a game button. Yeah, always. It, Yo. It was never a wristwatch. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we were able to really change your life this episode. Well, you learn something new every day, I guess. <laughs> you really do. I mean, yeah, I guess like, it works on both levels. That, like, but yeah. um, I don't know how I come back from that revolution. But yeah, like I wanted to shout out the small games like Good Job and Pokemon Cafe Mix. You know, fun little puzzle games. But Dude, you're stretching this so me, long. I'm going to be This year was the year I really rediscovered <laughs> multiplayer games. Like we already referenced Platoon and Rocket League. And really what was at the forefront of that and what sort of kicked it all off was – Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh. Um, and I i mean, why are you surprised? Why are you disappointed? I've, I've, I've had admittedly a That's sort a really of good pick, honestly. I, I, I honestly forgot. 
That was this year. Well, this year it's felt okay. like ten years, but but I'll, but expl- I'll explain why I, I'll explain why it's significant for me. I guess because I've had a no, I, no. I, 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 said, I said it's a good pick. I just was I was expecting something out of oh, the field yeah. for some reason. No, 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 not at all. No, yeah, it's a great um, game. It's actually it, it, deserving of a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great game. Quiet chasing. It's a great game. It's great. Anyway, <laughs> no, but I, uh, yeah, I, I do buy each Animal Crossing. I do play each Animal Crossing. But the time I invest into those games fluctuates wildly. Like, no pun intended. Like, generally speaking, I think I spend more time in the handheld ones than the console ones. So it coming to Switch, you know, obviously it bridges that gap a bit, which meant I was going to. Sp- have a decent shot at sinking some time into it but what really got me hooked was for better or worse you know the initial lockdowns and quarantines and through pure serendipity like nintendo created this alternate world where people could go hang out and do things that they couldn't do in the real world they could design a home they could see their friends they could work on collecting things fish or fossils what have you uh they could design stuff and what tied it all together was that everyone else was doing it too in that moment which you know so far sounds like i'm making i'm getting a testament to the cultural moment of the year more than my game of the year but i think the part that can't be overstated enough is that nintendo had to really nail the vision of how this all works for it to excel at the rate it did like nintendo needed to have a game that had so much charm and personality to get people into its world and really the look and feel of New Horizons and all the attention to detail and the little Mm -hmm. HD flourishes like that really visually stood out compared to the other ones to me and like they needed to have the additional gameplay loop of crafting which while not perfect like seriously can we please do multiple items at once but you know having that new layer compelled at least me to keep going for just one more item one more thing every time I played which had me playing longer and they I really feel like needed to bake in easy abilities to share designs and patterns so that people customize from the ground up which remains perhaps the only actual useful part of the Switch Online phone app is that you can actually scan these. And as bizarre as this will now sound, I honestly feel they needed that drip feed of updates, adding swimming, adding red and leaf and other new uh, visitors, adding holidays to sort of keep everyone in pace with one another. Even if, yes, people put in way more hours than others or time traveled or did whatever, it kind of made sure that the world, the broader world, broader interconnected island ecosystem of animal crossing was sort of lockstep even within those restrict um you know the cost of those restrictions so i'm not saying animal crossing um is perfect like it does have fewer features than other entries like where are the gyroids like seriously it's where are the gyroids they're an animal crossing staple it's been nine months and there's not a single gyroid like what but what, what i'm actually getting at here is that i think through all these design choices and through some ridiculously lucky timing lucky uh timing on nintendo's part they create an experience that was not just really fun to play, but one that was so fun because everyone else was sort of lockstep playing it too. Like friends I rarely talk to on a regular basis. I was visiting their islands at the start of quarantine. Like big companies, art curators, designers, brands, they were all engaged and letting me do things in the island, with my island, in ways that I bet Nintendo never even imagined. And we were all basically in this thing together, and it made for an Animal Crossing experience that really felt more like a new generation Animal Crossing in my mind um, than what other entries may have done or maybe even what Nintendo anticipated. And for that reason, for this whole like – for everything Nintendo put in motion with their design choices and then how the zeitgeist kind of ran with it, that's why New Horizons is my game of the year because it was just like the right thing at the right time with the right layering both internally from Nintendo and from external factors. And it was really cool. Like it's a really – like it's one of those things like Pokemon Go where it's just like, oh, yeah, that was that one – couple months there where animal crossing just took over and like it was a huge part of my life in that chunk of time so that's my game of the year animal crossing 
Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So um, I guess that's it um, for this episode. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this year. That's it for this year wow. of the pod- of the Ram Nintendo podcast. But next episode of Quarantine Chronicles is this coming Sunday on the 20 – what day did I say? It's 27th, I think. Um, and then Ram Nintendo will be back at the start of – literally right at the start of 2021. January 3rd will be our next episode. Um, yeah, so the only last word of business is we're going to close out the year with a little Wait, don't giveaway. Don't we have um, like a one-week our- holiday break for New Year's, right after New Year's? break no no nope we've never done that never done that no we've never taken a break except that one quarantine skip, but we've never I, taken I, I a, guess not a break i guess not on the year that would be our 10th year anniversary Mm-mm. yeah next year i'll mark 10 years around nintendo which is crazy but one thing we're doing before we get to 2021 right in time for the holidays is we are going to do a giveaway on our twitter so keep an eye out at the ram nintendo twitter which is literally at ram nintendo um because we are going to be giving away Granted, it came with my Pro Controller. It's not some special thing. But for anyone who still needs Mario Odyssey or needs to re-gift the download code for Mario Odyssey, it's a great game. It was my game of the year a couple years ago. Um, We are going to give away a full copy of Mario Odyssey, a download code. So keep an eye on our Twitter. All you need to do is retweet and follow to enter once the tweet is up. Um, It's our, I guess, little gift to listeners plus an easy way for me to get rid of a download code I have. So, you know. But that's how much you mean to us. We're doing it as like, (laughs) I need to get rid of this to the Twitter. Um... Yeah, no, I'm kidding. But honestly, uh, it's been a weird year for Nintendo. So thank you for everyone that tuned in and listened to our rants and raves about um, how weird it's been uh, throughout the year. And hopefully in 2020, we were sort of a refuge of sorts from some of the crazy of the world and just us nerding out about things. Um, but yeah, you can make sure that you don't miss anything in future episodes by, again, following us on Nintendo or subscribing to us on the various podcast apps. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Uh, our YouTube is randomnintendo.com. We are individually on Twitter, where I don't think any of us are individually giving away game codes, but maybe we are. I'm JSR7, Angel's Well, Wero, we definitely do have a lot of game codes to give away next episode. Do we? Remember, we just never give them away. I got, like, a random assortment of, like, I think, nine or ten nine or ten codes of just like it almost sounds things. like that'd be perfect for quarantine chronicles just oh, no, no no yeah for quarantine yeah, yeah it would be for quarantine yeah chronicles. yeah because the random pc yeah. but anyways right yeah. so uh oh, make sure okay. to follow yeah make sure to follow all the channels i didn't mention kevin yet he's kvn gomi uh and i think that just about does it kevin any final words <laughs> uh happy holidays happy new year the huge every at the end of every year 